When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hello, everybody. It's the 25th of October, 2021, and it is time. I think it's episode 220. For morning combat. Hello there. I am Luke Thomas. I am from uh, the capital of Los Estados Unidos, and I am one half of your hosting duo from CBS Sports. My CBS Sports and Showtime brethren. He is the king of Connecticut. He is uh, he is washed like a like a used car waiting to be picked up by someone with five bucks to give. Uh, my friend and yours. It's Brian Campbell. Hello, Brian Campbell. Hello, Luke. Hello, Luke. Uh, people know what they get when they when they get this show, right? If they get it. They know what they get, okay? We light a candle. We run laps around the English Channel. Neptune's so what, what? got a cocker spaniel. What, 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 right? I mean, what What else is there to say, right? You got narratives. What do you got, okay? We got the best damn show in combat sports going today. BC, LT, okay? Sometimes DK. Sometimes Bukake. We're going to stir it around regardless, okay? We're going to stir that shit up. Dude, I remember when that song came out. I was a freshman in college when that song came out. I'm like, let me get this straight. The opening bars are, we light a candle, run laps around the English Channel. Neptune's got a cocker spaniel. That's the name. That's what we're doing here. Okay. All right, Noriega. I see what you did. Yeah. All right. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll forgive yeah. you because the CNN album is good. But other Probably because you forgave him because the song is 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 the shit, Luke. Okay? That's it was good. It was what, what, what? It was a good song. Uh, all right, we have a lot to do today. So we got stuff to get to in terms of UFC Fight Night 196, Costa and Vittori. Bellator happened over the weekend in Moscow, Russia. We've got Shakur Stevenson results hey, we have fa- to get to. Hey, don't bury the lead. Fedor's back, brother, okay? He's back with a bang. Fedor, God damn, He Fedor. might be. He might be. It was a great win for him, which we'll talk about here as well. Plus, we have your DMs we have to get to. We have to get to, have you seen this shit? We have a lot. So, thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. If you're new here, we do this three times a week, 11 a.m. in the East, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can follow us at these social places. The name Morning Combat is consistently the same through all social channels. MKK on the combat there. Uh, what else do we got? Showtime. We warned you guys. You wanted to watch Showtime. Best place to do it. Only place to do it. You can go to Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you may keep it. If not, you can go. But if you had it, you could have watched Fedor plus Billions plus just all kinds of stuff. So, you know, you got that. Uh, BC, the MK store, morningcombat.store. Oh. You know, we've turned things around. We, we've, we've, it's so hot. We've it's fixed so hot the, right we, Dad had to turn the car around to get directions, but he got them. <laughs> and I feel like it's fixed now. Excuse me, sir. Do you uh, know how to get to the uh, interstate? Fuck your mama. 
Come Thanks on, very Luke. much. What movie? Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. There you go. There you go. Uh, look, morningcombat.store is the home. Not for this shirt, but but uh, our, our, our merch master just said, hey, I don't even have that on our site. I'm going to get that up today. So here's the deal, folks. We want you in our Halloween merch. So we're going to give you a last chance special to put this shit on your body. You want 10% off? How about go to morningcombat.store. Put in our code LIVE10. If you order this during the show or anything else on the website, 10% off. I'm telling you, um, our merch is, is pretty damn good right now, okay? There's there's some UFC guys, and there's our real merch. Yes, there it is, okay? You want Luke's face. Uh, you want a drug rug. Not today, but this week. Looking good. Looking good, folks, okay? So get ready for that money. But right now, 10% off. Get yourself the mug that you should be drinking with every morning. Get yourself the, uh, the uh, what do they call it, a little bag, Luke, that you put above your satchel? It's like a little it's like a little it's a little bag it's not the european man bag that you wear it's the uh the fanny pack luke thank you wow that just i feel like i'm swimming alone i loved watching you after wiggle eating. like a worm on a hot rock trying yeah. to use <laughs> yeah. the broken recesses of your brain to call that one up tag me in tag tag me out please all right luke whatever you got the deal that's all i got so there you go morningcombat.store great place to go uh, what else do we got? We got, uh, oh, you want to leave us a five-star Apple review, Apple Podcasts, to help us cheat and scam the algorithm? If you do and you leave a funny one, we'll send you a gift certificate. But, uh, you know, either way, please go leave us a five-star review. We always, our bosses really care about, we, listen, me and Brian don't really care all that much, we can yeah. be honest with you, but our bosses care a lot, so we're trying to make them happy. So please help us scam the system and leave us a nice uh, five-star it's review. Like my wife's got bottles upon bottles of like male vitamins she wants me to take in in the morning i don't i don't don't know what they are what they do luke you know what i'm saying but they're apparently they're you know they're they're good for you so that's what i'm taking luke okay i didn't know about that but uh all right sounds good always good to swallow horse pills in the morning (laughs) enjoy enjoy your hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin cocktail each morning uh i don't know if i'm forgetting anything else i think that is about it we got merch we got showtime we got uh, all the stuff for us so without further ado, BC, we'll talk about our weekends a little bit later. Let's get this started because we have a big weekend of fights to get to. Are you ready? Hey, hey Chewy. Hey, Chewy. Let's, Let's bang. bang. Let's bang. You thought I wasn't going to know the Chevy yeah, Chase movie. I did. I did. I did. I, I, that's one of my favorite all-time scenes. Are you kidding me? All right. Let's go to topic number one. We start with the UFC here. Card itself was mm, so-so, fine, okay, whatever. But main event, absolutely sensational. So Marvin Vittori defeats Paulo Costa in what can only be described as something of a five-round slugfest. All right, we, we got to get to both guys. Let's start with the winner, BC. With that kind of performance, especially considering the fact that they had to fight 20 pounds up due to whatever you want to call the negligence, the, the, the unprofessional conduct, whatever you want to say about Paulo Costa. They had to go to 205 to make this fight happen. He's 28 years old. What did you learn about Marvin Vittori from this fight, this performance, this week, really, going forward? How do you assess him? Yeah, there were things I already suspected or thought I knew about him, but they were really just cemented down. This is a this is a ballsy effort, a ballsy win, a very manly win. This was your caveman special, meaning it was a brawl. It was at a fight of the year contender, maybe on the lower scale, but it was just full-on entertainment. wasn't the best for skill or defense. It was the best for two guys walking each other down and finding out who's the tougher. And the, re- the reason why Vittori was able to go the distance is because he's tough as shit. I mean, he walked right through that head kick like it was nothing. That part was eye-opening. But Luke, the reason why he was able to win it, separate from the things that we're going to talk negative about Costa in a minute 
was I thought Vittori stuck to a pretty interesting game plan, stuck to his technique in a in an outright slugfest between two guys who at a certain point were like, we're just going for it, which was basically when this fight started. I thought Vittori uh, was more true to technique in setting up his punches. Look, overall, Luke, it didn't advance him in my eyes, meaning, you know, hey, let's get him shined up and ready for another title shot. Obviously, he's got an uphill battle with the fact that he's lost twice to the current champion. But this did nothing negatively, though. I think the only negative is maybe a little concern moving forward that to compete against the very elite Vittori, who, who, who showed good technique, good game planning, good everything, not great, not great head movement, not defense. He's going to have to accrue a lot of damage, Luke, to beat the very best. But he's young enough right now. And again, he was in an absolute savage battle with a lot going against him, meaning the last minute move up and wait. And he was just the better, smarter, tougher fighter throughout. A deserved victory, an impressive one. Uh, maybe in the end, all it does is hold serve for him, but it was a needed win coming off of the title loss. I, I like this win for him. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I really disagree with anything you're saying, but I guess I get the, the spirit of what I take from it was a little bit more, um, a little bit higher. Here's what I mean by that. So I basically agree with your assessment of the fight. I thought he was good for the most part everywhere. Defense obviously could have been a little bit better. But, you know, dude, we'll talk about Costa in a minute. I thought he actually performed pretty well, all things considered. But, okay, we're talking about Vittori. So, again, I, I'll give his performance um, pretty solid marks all the way through. But there was two things about it I really liked. One was he clearly had a good game plan of not just backing up Costa, but Costa defends with his hands like this constantly in front of his face with a high guard. They clearly knew he was going to do that, and there was lots of body work that he was able to do. It wasn't as impressive as those, as those hooking digs to the body that sometimes Costa threw, but it was consistent, and then he would use that to, to change angles and then go around the guard with hooking punches, which we'll talk about Shakur Stevenson did to Jamal Herring a lot as well. But he went to this over and over again. He would throw something in his face to bring the hands up, and then he had this consistent body work and hooking punches and changing angles, and whenever he did that, he was basically in command of the entire fight. I thought that was the, he could stick to a disciplined game plan and uh, obviously had five rounds of cardio even at 205 pounds like the guy comes in like you don't really ever have to worry about whether or not Marvin Vittori is gonna make weight and be in shape 205 notwithstanding I know he would have made 185 no problem the guy is a pro in that sense I think the second thing I liked was what he said after the fight was over BC he was like listen of course I want the title that's my goal I'm I would never say no to having a fight for the title, but I'm not trying to rush it. I wanted a good experience against a good opponent. I got one here today. I'm looking for another one. Dude, it's that recognition that he's very talented. He's very high on the mark. But to, for something to be different, the next time he goes for the title, he just needs to get better. One of the great things about Vittori is that you know he's going to be in shape and you know if the fight goes long, he's just not going to wilt. He's very, very sturdy defensively that way, durable as well. But he is going to need to find the kinds of offense that get him meaningfully co closer to a finish, not just the kind that wins rounds. You can do the kind of offense that win rounds if you're the sort of stick and move type. That's not exactly what he is. He was kind of in your face a little bit on this one, although he was trying to be strategic as he could. Still, what I took from this fight, BC, was at 28 years old with that attitude and the foundation of skills that he has, is he ready to be a championship caliber fighter? Not yet. Not yet, but he has an understanding of where he's at. I think maybe for the first time in a long time, he applied it against a very tough opponent who had a bit of a fifth-round surge. He was clinical. He was disciplined. He was 
frankly, the smarter of the two. He was the one putting his punches and strikes in combination when Paulo Costa wasn't. I like this performance from Vittori. He, he gets... He has a reputation as being kind of aggro, which I'm not saying is undeserved, but it doesn't really tell the full story of how much of a thinking fighter he can be when presenting against someone who is just much more of a physical brute than he was. I like this performance. I did overall, but I, I do want to be sobering and clear here. As he stands right now, this operating version, this operating procedure in his you know early physical prime here, I don't think he's title contender I don't think he's. He, I don't think he's a threat to win the championship. Luke is what I'm saying. So yeah. you were more impressed than I was about what this means to his future. Obviously, I thought it was. Again, he held serve in in a profound way. Um, do you think there's still time for him to add the necessary craft to his game that could get him over that hurdle that I'm putting in front of him? That okay, will he ever fight for a title again? Well, he's got the ability to. Let's give him that. He's he's just a balls out aggro. He almost killed Carl Roberson in a hotel lobby, and I'm sure he got bit, once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, Luke. But I I see a ceiling in front of him. Do you think that's a ceiling he can shatter? I do. I do. If he was 30 or 32 or something like that, a little bit closer to 32, then I would be like, mm, this is more or less what you get. He's 28. He's 28. If he keeps going, I mean, usually the problem is people develop offense that can be pretty good, and then the defense is slow to come along. His are actually fairly comparable. His defense is pretty good. His offense is pretty good. Neither is lights out. So they've kind of come along at the same level, which means he hasn't quite developed that skill relative to the opposition that he can lord over them other than will and being sturdy and big and strong like he's good at those kinds of things obviously I mean some of those are naturally part of who he is but I mean he's developed and leaned into those um, uh, natural qualities as well so to me what you're saying is what can he do by the time he's 31 where he's in his physical prime at that point and he's had let's say three I think he just turned 28 in September or something like that so in three years relative to that how much more offensive skill can he build in theory and of course we will never know but in theory dude a lot. He's with a good team. He trains hard. Like I mentioned, he's always going to be in shape. He doesn't seem to get injured a lot from what we can tell either. Like he's got a lot of things where is he the fastest learner I've ever seen? No, he's not, but he's already pretty good. And he's got the wind at his back in terms of youth. If he can just slow down and really work on a few things, just a few things that he can put into motion to make his offense more dynamic. I really think he could give people at the top of that division already more than he is a shitload of problems, yeah. I'd like to see him more offensive in the top game. I'd like to see him have wrestling as more of a a threatening option rather than just a change of pace option. I think I, I you know, look, it's it's early enough to your point. So, let's see. He seems to have bounced back nicely mentally from the title loss as if it's never happened. That's a big that's a big comeback right there in itself. So. For sure. By the way, what were you were you surprised when he I think it was a second or third round or so? When he ate that head kick and just kind of kept going, I was like, dude, his chin is fucking epic. And there were a few, you know, one punch situations in rounds three through five where you're like, you know, a mere mortal at least goes down or gets finished when Costa sort of, you know, bites down and, and lets go. And dude, Vittori just sort of, you know, he kind of did the sloth thing and shook it off and kept going, Luke. Damn. Damn, bro. The only thing he has to kind of figure out here a little bit for himself is... If you're still going to maintain a top spot in the middleweight division, you know how much time is the UFC going to give you beating other contenders, assuming that's what he keeps doing before they put him back in another title shot? On some level, if I'm him, I'm not. It's complicated. It's very easy for me to say, 
but maybe taking some 205 fights against lesser contenders or to bare minimum, you want to stay active. But here's the thing about Vittori's career, BC, and I think you would probably agree with this. He's got lots of experience at this point. I mean, even before this fight, his average fight time was over 15 minutes. So he's averaging well over a, a normal non-championship fight in its totality every time he goes out there. He's got the ring experience. If I'm him, I'm slowing down the pace at which I'm taking fights, not substantially, but I'm going to slow down just a little bit so that I can really, really, really work on his craft. Because I do think if he rounds that corner, he's got all the other physical tools and multiple five-round fights, multiple five-round fights against top contenders with striking prowess, with grappling prowess, who are rangy, who are, you know, whatever. All the different types. He's already got that under his belt. Now is the time to go back to the lab and really, really work on the craft. Take the fight when you're ready. No rush. You've already been to the mountaintop and seen it. When you go back the next time, make sure you're ready. Yeah, I'd also like to see him find a, find a finishing angle, Luke, of some kind. He seems against the very elite to be tough enough to be there, good enough not to get, you know, sent packing early. But I, I, I kind of need him to develop a, a finishing move, if you will, Luke. You can, you get what I'm saying here. Whether that's a submission, whether that's a uh, set up to a ground and pound finish, whether that's a calculated, you know, something. Right. Like I don't want to just see this guy be five round tough against the Super Elite. I want to see him in spots where he can win those fights. And, and look, you know, you could say, well, was Costa. Super elite in this one, and that's a good transitional point, Luke. It is. The last thing I would just say about that is, you're right, though. You can tell his perspective. Is, the fact that he is good, but not like super elite standing, and then good on the ground, but doesn't have super overwhelming ground and pound, tells you that's his natural way in which he approaches fights, either standing or on the ground. He doesn't want to go too far with his offense yet. So it just tells you that there's a comfortability he needs to lean into and get more with um, for his next fight to really change his fortunes. But it was certainly a good win. So to your point, it brings us now to, to point number two, which is what about Paulo Costa? All eyes were kind of on him on this one in the sense that he was the one that missed weight and he was the one that had excuses. And it turns out he has some kind of a left biceps injury that's going to have to be dealt with after the fact. And I have to say, BC, his overall effort was pretty commendable to the point where some people thought, no point being taken from referee Herzog, which we'll talk about in a second. He might have had a case to win this fight. What what would you say about him, given everything, including the unprofessional conduct of missing weight? Yeah, I mean, look, this was a soap opera for a couple of days there. And I saw on the walk into the fight, mixed with his walking into the cage and trying to get right in Vittori's face, you know, Luke, for about 60 seconds, I'm like... Maybe this is a calculated heel job. Maybe some of those whispers or conspiracy takes in the final day leading up to the fight of, oh, he only missed weight as like a, you know, an FU to the UFC to try to slowly become a heel and get out of his contract. I mean, there's a lot of that going around. Just like Luke, there's a lot of people that reach out to me and say, hey, if you guys bring up this red wine excuse one more time, that's obviously not what happened. He's using that as a cover. Look, we don't really know exactly what elements are there for truth, but I think that heel side of it for me left that as a as a pliable theory once this fight started so here's what i saw from costa in this fight he's fucked up luke he's not the same guy anymore he's not fucked up enough to where he can't knock out even an elite fighter and finish him because right now he seems to be leaning basically 100 percent on the idea that well i can knock out anybody and i'm both daring and have a strong enough chin that i could stand in there and take so i think he's leaning way too heavily right now into that mode of his career already when age-wise and physical and experience-wise, he's still 
should be in that early prime of trying, in my eyes, to be the very best he can be and a true complete fighter and a true title contender. I mean, he got really damn close entering that Adesanya fight. The, the way that he fought to me, Luke, was just a massive regression. Even though it was fun, and even though he had moments where, again, if it wasn't a caveman like Vittori walking into that head kick, he may have won that fight. And we would just go, how much of all this is a red flag when he can still finish guys? Look, Luke, he can still finish guys. He has not lost his ability to pull the trigger or his ability to take big shots, fight through fatigue, and keep fighting. I mean, he's a warrior. But he's screwed up right now, Luke. He is not wired correctly is what I'm trying to say. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his personal life. I don't know what exactly it is. But what led up to both his bizarre performance against Adesanya mixed with the very bizarre handling of his weight through this fight, I think only continued in the cage by the way that he fought Luke. Tell me if I'm wrong, but he's he shouldn't be fighting like this yet. This reckless, this just sort of animalistic. Yes, it's a part of what made him great. And how did he survive that Romero fight? By being an absolute animal. But Luke, tell me if I'm wrong. I saw a little bit of... Like, I don't want to say desperation. Is it laziness? I just saw an error in the cage that was like, oh man, if he goes on this road, if he if he tries to be this guy every fight, his prime is going to be short. It's going to be explosive, but it's going to be short. Well, I guess what I would ask you is, you didn't see this before? You know, I saw, I saw more of a of an idea of like, look, this is who I am. What makes me great is my danger and my ability to accrue danger and keep fighting. But I saw it wrapped in a package of, I'm going to try to win this championship and be the best complete fighter I can be. I saw a spirit in this fight that was more like, F it, man. Let's go to war and we'll see what happens. I, see. I, I don't think that it, I don't think that's been apples to apples this whole way. Do you disagree? Um, I guess a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I definitely see what you're talking about. I think you're definitely on to something. And like, listen, when someone misses weight... It's usually like one of three or a combination of three different things. One, the fight was on late notice, so they just couldn't get down. Two, uh, they were just unprofessional and they didn't prepare properly and blah, blah, blah. And then three, they had an injury. Those are t in the camp. So those are the three main culprits. He's claiming he had one, but it's like, I don't understand this shit anymore, man. Like, if your injury is not enough to stop you from getting cleared medically to fight... Can we fuck off with these excuses about missing weight? It's like, oh, I couldn't make weight, but I'm perfectly good enough to go fist fight another, you know, world-class fighter in a main event on television. It's like, well, dude, well, which is it, man? Which is it? You know, and I get that threading that needle can sometimes be um, a little bit more complicated than I'm giving it. I guess I'm just saying a little bit fatigued with, oh, I couldn't make weight because I had an injury, but I'm perfectly good to fight. Like, eh, I don't believe something here. Just doesn't really add up. But as for the fight itself, I actually thought, dude, I, I thought he performed pretty well given his skill set. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, you would probably agree of the two, uh, Vittori and Costa, as hard of a hitter and a big, strong guy as Vittori is, Costa, those digs to the body with the left hook, the the rear leg uh, roundhouse to the middle up the gut was, I mean, he was punished. I could not believe Vittori's ribs didn't get shattered from some of those shots. He was just a fucking bulldozer with that. And that head kick he landed, it was nice. He set it up with the with the jab, and it looked like he was uh, the kick was not going to come behind it, and it did, of course, because he was setting it up. Like he looked pretty good, but he only throws single shots. He doesn't really faint. He explodes into position, and so when he lands, dude, he lands with a ton of authority. He just is not a very 
relative to even Vittori and especially Adesanya, he's just not a very sophisticated striker. He's a punishing striker. He's an athletic striker. He's a good striker. He's not a bad striker by any stretch of the imagination. But even Vittori was setting up better angles, and he was putting punches and strikes together, and he was going high-low and really kind of differentiating. Against Adesanya, he was, it, was, it, was, it was men versus boys in terms of the, the thinking through the problems. To me, I just saw a lot of, not, not totally, but I saw a lot of what we had seen previously where he relies on big power to cause problems for opponents. They begin to panic. They begin to make bad decisions. They, they double over, whatever the, the cause of the punishment may be, and then he builds on that. Adesanya made a point before they had fought. If you look at all of the knockouts that a guy like Costa has, they're not typically in the middle of the octagon. They're all against the fence because he's just pressuring these guys backwards, and then just the, 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 the rain of the hurricane is so overwhelming they can't get right. Well, Vittori could just deal with it. And so what you saw was a very effective but limited skill set, just not really able to get himself over the hump, even though... He's a big power puncher, but I have to say, while I don't think what he has is going to be a different if he fought Adesanya a second time, I didn't see anything there. Dude, he's a punishing striker, and for a lot of people, for the rest of the time, as long as he can do this, that's going to be a very effective way to win. He's going to win fights. He shouldn't, as a matter of fact, because he is so punishing with it. I don't know that I saw a whole lot necessarily new. Well, regardless of of who's right, meaning is this who he's always been and, and just naturally who he is, or or is there something majorly off, and that's what these warning signs are seeing, and he's sort of falling into all-or-nothing mode. Either way, Luke, I, I agree with you. He's going to beat an elite foe he shouldn't. You know, he may end up fighting for a title, you know, sooner than later if he can package a couple big wins. But I think what what needed to be there to get the most out of him, I don't think it's there anymore. And, I, and maybe that plays into some of the bizarre behavior. Um, I mean, you know, I still don't know what to make exactly of the red wine story and the Adesanya situation. Was that just a mental, just clam up, you know, did he, did he, did he, did he, you know, freak himself out? I, I don't know what it was, but I don't think he's been the same since then. And I do give him a lot of credit though. All things considering all things considered for biting down and just going for it in this fight. And maybe that's not a, a major removal from the strategy he normally uses. Look, go back and watch the Uriah Hall fight again. Just go. It's not that he's always leading on the cards and carrying out this strategic game plan. I don't know. I just saw a sharper, more focused. Um, there was more of a plan overall. This was more of a caveman reaction, which again was great for theater. But Luke, unless he he figures out what's happening, I, I do feel like he's not necessarily the one driving this car at the moment. If you get what I'm saying, I feel yeah. like he's. There's something off, and he's chasing it to try to uh, put it back together. If he can't hurt you with a big shot, here's what he banks on. He banks on one of those lefts to the liver. He banks on one of those big middle kicks or something. If he can't disrupt what you're doing and get you to panic or, again, physically fall over or just back up mentally with a big strike, he doesn't appear to have another gear to go to. He relies on the fact that he knows most of the time if he connects on a big shot, people react poorly. They lose their bearing. And when they lose their bearing and he smells blood, he's all over them like white on rice. The problem was Vittori just is not that guy. He's not going to back down from huge shots. He is durable as all hell. And so he just found himself in a position where all he could do was either more or less of what he was already doing. And more was certainly more dangerous. But then a guy like Vittori you know, is clinching 
pressing him against the fence, that sort of a thing. And so what I, he has to find is like better ways to set up his strikes. He has to find ways like what happens if I don't hurt a guy? What do that? What do I do then? He just doesn't have. And like, like for example, like Vittori's takedowns in this fight were not super overwhelming or anything, but he at least had a something of another gear to go to in a couple of the rounds. If a guy like uh, Costa can't hurt you. Does he ever go for the takedown and then work to get on top? Like he, he, it's just that gear or nothing. That's sort of the thing I'm pointing out. It's like well, it's a skills want, issue to me. Do you want even more uh, layers to that? Where okay, he got to a point where he he needed a knockout, and you could say okay, well he's kind of fighting the whole fight like he needed a knockout. That's sort of who he is. Okay, but do you need him then to try to lure Vittori into a war when he realizes he's down on the cards and not just look for one punch? Because really the key for Vittori winning this, and I thought even with the point deduction, you know, he won it across the board, I think was never was having caveman fun action brawl responses and moments, but not letting it get completely out of hand is what won it for Vittori, right? He would go back to his roots of jab looking to set up the offense. I mean, do you think Costa just, just was thinking, I hit harder than this guy, I can get him into a war, and when I do, it's over. Because, yes. you know, if it's that simple, it's still he's still off, Luke. Yes, I think that's exactly what he thinks. I think what he thinks is, eventually, I'm going to hit you with something, and you're going to you're gonna react poorly to it, and then I'm just going to swarm you, and this will be over. Vittori is just a brick wall. It's just not going to happen against a guy like that. Let me ask you about that. Where were you on the point being taken. You brought it up. Daniel Cormier made a point to say that he thought Herzog was buying to the headlines. I totally disagree. Where are you? No, I, th I think if you watch uh, an earlier fight to the evening where he took away a point, what was it? Was it the Alex Caceres fight? Yes, it was. Um, Luke, he went up there against, um, the fella's name was... The Korean uh, kid, yeah. Sung Woo Choi. Sung Woo Choi. And Luke, uh, I thought both were the same situation where... Okay, was there a loud, loud demonstrative set of warnings where you're like, okay, you know, one more? No, but there was enough subtlety to the con to the to the warnings where it's like, I would while I'd never want the referee to become part of the story, I never want him to lean on this, you know, I, I never want there to be too many points than too little taken away. I do like the fair and stern standing down on this, where like, okay, look, these things change fights, you know low blows you know fingers to the eye so how many times do you see in boxing and mma the, the multiple you know one more time i'll take it away from you it ends up being four warnings before they finally do that if you want to get rid of people leading with their fingers and putting them in situations where you could get pokes you, you act this stern so overall luke i thought it it's sort of like a, a strike zone to me and with an umpire in baseball some are going to be so damn you know on the ball and call strikes for anything close and as a hitter in team, you adjust to that. If he wants to be a stricter referee, I didn't think he went overboard at all. I think that, you know, Costa needs to realize this. I totally agree with that as well. And also, it's like when you go back and you listen to the fight, there was a time he had poked uh, Marvin Vittori in the eye. I don't know if they stopped the action for it. I don't recall that. But I do recall him being like, watch your fingers, watch your fingers, watch your fingers. Then this happened. They did have to stop the action. He took a point. Dude, what is the fucking problem? Everyone complains that these guys get poked in the eye, not once, not twice, sometimes three times, and even then they don't take a goddamn point. No, dude, this is a UFC main event. You guys are in the top five of this division. You are, by definition, world-class elite talent. Close your fucking fingers after you get warned by the referee. End of story. End of story. I have zero problem 
with him taking the point. In fact, I commend him for just not tolerating this bullshit anymore. I'm tired of the fence grabs. Dude, every week when I go back and I look at the finishes, especially if it's some kind of like Darce choke or something, these guys are putting their feet into the fence, putting their toes in there, which they're not supposed to, and then using that as leverage to 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 get the win. Dude, I'm sick of this shit. Call. Can I ask you two difficult, two very difficult questions related to this, Luke? Yes. Can I can I put you on the hot seat? Okay. Difficult question number one: Is DC's over aggressive take in that direction? Meant to take away from people remembering that he used eye pokes to uh, against Stipe to his advantage in more than one situation to sort of try to get away from being the eye poke guy. Now he's going to. I don't think to. I don't think to distract from that because he's retired and no one really cares anymore. But I definitely feel like he wants a referee who has a laxer environment related to those kinds of concerns. I'll put it that way. And number two, Luke, regarding that uh, point takeaway here. Uh, yeah, I forgot it already, Luke. Who cares, right? Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing on this. Dana said Costa has to go to 205 next. I mean, it's not even up for debate. And then Costa's like, no, I'm not leaving 185 until I get the belt. Where would you prefer to see him next? I'll let them work out what's going to happen. But would you prefer to see him at 205 or back at 185? No, I prefer to see him taking his career serious at 185 and, and being a title contender and getting the most out of his prime before then transitioning full-time into – Hey man, I hit harder than you. Let's brawl, and that's fine. You can be that. It's gonna be you know you're gonna be here for a good time, not a long time, but that's fine. Luke, the question I wanted to ask you real quick was the out the outlash against the point taken away. How much of it subtly do you think is people saying maybe Herzog was penalizing Costa for the whole weight situation? I think it's absurd. And right, I think, I th- I mean, especially yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, literally, you have no, not you, but the proverbial you, you have no evidence for that. You're like, oh, Costa was in the headlines. He took a point quicker than other referees. There must be a connection. This is the most amateurish form of reasoning I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Plus, he did the same thing earlier against Choi. So, yes, good good call. Okay. All right. I wasted your time with that. Yes. No, no, it's okay. All right. So, with that out of the way, let's talk about the last emperor himself. We go to Bellator, which aired on Showtime from Moscow, Russia, on Saturday, and dude, BC, you and I, and I'll, I'll take, I'll put, raise my hand. Like you know, we have a whole segment on the show, dead wrong, where we have the listeners hold us to account. But sometimes we have to hold ourselves to account. Maybe certainly, I'll speak for myself here. Maybe a bit too dismissive of Fedor, although I do recognize at forty-five, it's not altogether unfair to ask questions about when he's going to hang it up. But okay, he fights Timothy Johnson, and dude, I can see why they picked Timothy Johnson because the speed differential was out of control, even at forty-five. Fedor is still lightning quick for a heavyweight. Three-piece combo sits uh, Johnson down. Head snaps back. Referee calls it. All right, Fedor. While impressive, did he prove that he should keep going? Or, with such an impressive win, is now the perfect time to say, see you when I see you? Okay, in reality, yes. Reality is it's the perfect time because he just did this at home, by the way. But, Luke... He's not going to do it, and we all know he's not going to do it. If anything, this is going to buy him more time. And, you know, let us let me slip back into fan mode for a second. Good Lord, did he look great. So if he wants more time and he wants to fight somewhat flawed guys who are still dangerous, yes, there's a market for it. And this is me being as anti-old guy fights as ever. I'm still telling you that this version of him... Oh, man. I mean, did did things go perfectly? God, it was in his backyard, and Johnson played to his style in that same 90-second window that you and I talked about where he's hella dangerous. Of course. So it was best-case scenario. But you can't lie what you saw. Luke, he was in much better physical condition than we've seen in years. It wasn't that the pooch, the famous, you know, bear belly wasn't there. 
It was smaller. He was cut up more than normal. And Luke, the second we saw him enter that cage with that Stefan Bonner versus Anderson Silva uh, t uh, tanning job, we should have known something was up. That was like divorced dad, midlife crisis gets the convertible with the with the ponytail. This this was a wake up call that in which we found out afterwards that Fedor is actually very nervous about fighting at home having media in his camp that much. He went on to say after the fight that he's like, I'd much rather go to the States to move on because of, you know, the nerves. I think that actually brought out the best of him to not want to get stopped in front of his home country. I mean, it, it totally worked agree. out perfectly. But here's the deeper thing. We got. Let's be honest here. He's now 9-4 and four in the last decade. And this entire decade started with the loss to Bigfoot Silva and the Dan Hendo loss after it. And it's we, we say a lot, you know, okay, he's had pockets of such dramatic reinvention but we know the reality he caught other faded fighters at the right time with the right punch similar to this fight i don't know he may be the opposite of every other fighter luke the more active he is the fatter he is but yet taking some time off and changing up the circumstances here it kind of got him to be like oh you know like to find the love again and you know he's only doing it still because he loves it but I think he really loved it again entering this fight. And I think he's, you know, his mojo is back after a performance like this. So I, I he's the only person ever who the more they fight in a short period of time, the worse their conditioning gets. He almost needs this, you know, the random bunches of time off he gets to kind of remember that he's a badass and that maybe he just needs to train a little harder and he can keep this longevity going. So in the end, I give him a ton of respect for this matchmaking because not only was it ballsy in the fact that it's a guy who could beat him and if this fight hadn't ended in 90 seconds again, who knows what it looks like after that. But also, like you laid out, it's kind of sneaky good matchmaking on his own part, having been in the corner of Valentin Moldavsky in the last Johnson fight to try to see what he needed to see. Dude, I was I was impressed. And by the way, the tan thing, I think people don't realize this. He's consistently pretty tan. Not like this. Look at his, Not like this. This was, a, this was the, he was very bronze for this one. He was the bronze bomber from Russia this time, I, I, I recognize. But still, he's usually a tanner than folks realize. But okay. You're right, dude. He looked a little bit better. The time off, I mean, I you know, hard to say competitively at 45, what are the best ingredients for a guy at this stage? But you're right. I think the individual circumstances of performing in Moscow with the pressure that was there, on top of that with the time off, he hadn't competed since the Rampage Jackson fight, selecting Timothy Johnson. Because, you know, here's the thing. You point out, like, dude, I was there at that fight with Bigfoot Silva. And Bigfoot Silva was sort of a different threat on the ground at that time. But, you know, he moved to Mount on Fedor. He was beating them like a drum you would just have to sort of wonder if Timothy Johnson would have gotten the takedown, what would have happened, but we just never got to that point. And Fedor's speed was just unbelievable. Dude, beating Timothy Johnson, like, Timothy Johnson's reinvention since going to Bellator is kind of real. Like, I take that seriously. I think he's a massively improved fighter. I have a lot of respect for him. And this win should count as, like, a relevant heavyweight win. It's a good-ass win. It's a good-ass win. It's a great win. It's a, it's a really great win. See, and this is why either way... I'm not saying there's no wrong answer and hardly that we have the right one, but dude, you look that good at 45 against an opponent this credible. It's like, you know, can you really say, oh, now's the, now's the time to call it quits? It, it is in the sense of if you want to leave them wanting more, now is the perfect time. But if you want to keep going based on the results, how on earth do you look at him in the face and say, you can't do it? He looked, he looked phenomenal, <clears throat> especially if they're equally clever with the next kind of matchmaking where you find someone who's talented and good, but and then bigger, but maybe a little bit slower. There's some ways in which Fedor can be more nimble around them. Dude, at 45, he's it's the same formula he's been using 
since the Pride days, not for every opponent, but for a lot of them, just be a middleweight in a heavyweight division and crack these guys with blistering hand speed, good accuracy, good timing. He completely timed the jab and then the lead hook of Timothy Johnson. I was I was impressed, dude. I was way too harsh about what this could have been. I was I was way too dismissive. Fedor, and I, and I have to say this too. Well, well, don't Luke, don't beat yourself up. You saw him against Bayer. You saw him against these other guys. Like a, a more elite guy should get to him. But he he just looked better, dude. Everything about it, he was more on point. I mean, he doesn't do that level of three punch combo to get a guy out of there. When in some of these other fights, when he's fatter, I, I dude, the spirit, something about him was just changed, man. He was just it was different. I think you're onto something with that. The one thing I will say though is, and I think you would agree with this, we have been yeah. You can see his physique there. He's always you know he's never going to have six pack abs, but you're right. He didn't look nearly as flabby as I'd seen him in other times. What I would say also is, dude, it's been nice to see this in different ways. And this is one thing we give a ton of crap to UFC about, not because it's their fault per se, but because they're not designed for it. Where if you, This was a very credible win by Fedor. What I mean to say is, we talked about it before, Anderson Silva just never really getting a proper exit. And people are like trying to find you know, the, 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 this contortionist way to find a fight for Nick Diaz where he can both win and look good and, and against somebody relevant. It's quite difficult because, dude, the UFC just features, by and large, the very best at their very best at the moment. And so when you're outside of those circumstances, they don't really know what to do with you. Beltor has been a little bit more nimble both on both ends, right, where they can get someone like an A.J. McKee and give him all of his fights up until he's a title contender. And also, while this was a very credible win, they can give someone who's a little bit older a softer landing. In either case, what I wanted to just say was, it's nice to see Fedor get a win like this where he not only yeah. beats someone relevant, but he looked fucking awesome it Doing felt it good. At age forty-five, it felt really it good, felt, didn't it? I mean, did it feel better than Anderson Silva outboxing Chavez Jr.? That was weird no. and different, but but it felt really good. And and by the way, as a fan, it's like, look, you and I become so jaded. I mean, we're fans, obviously, but we're like we're journalist fans, and that becomes jading. It becomes well, this is my job. It, and, you know, some, you don't always reconnect. That's why I like resume review because it reminds me rewatching some of these older fights, the emotions I had at the time, which was probably more purer and like the fan side of it. But yet, I love cracking that hardcore jaded shell and have a reason to fan cheer again. And this was that. Luke, I wanted to ask you about Fedor's physique because I remember, you know, as far back as like 2009, 2010, through the the losses to, uh, you know, to Verdum and then the the Bigfoot one saying, well, what about if he just got in shape? And of course, you're always going to get people saying two things. One, well, that's how Fedor has always generally looked. And two, you could say as a smaller heavyweight, does he like an extra amount of size to not be handled on the ground. I don't know. Tyson Fury carries more weight than you would think would be necessary, yet he uses it to his advantage. Um, what do you think about the idea of what if Fedor, either historically or even right now, just got into really good freaking shape? Could it be a dramatic difference in what we see? I don't tend to think he's ever been out of shape, out of shape, um, like unprofessionally out of shape. This one looked better, I agree. Nah, I mean, he's 45. I still think as good as he looked and as as impressive as it was and all the the great blessings and, and uh, nice things we can say about him, we just need to be cognizant of the fact that I do think this was something of a favorable matchup that I didn't quite understand until I saw it play out, but I think they saw it ahead of time. And then also, you know, uh, individual circumstances being what they are. 
it, it would be wrong to conclude that like, oh, what he really needs is just to run more. I mean, he needs a little bit of girth to be able to handle the size of these opponents, but he needs to be a little bit slender to maintain the speed advantages. Sometimes he's gotten that calibration wrong. He dialed it in this time, but even with that, we just have to have managed expectations. I mean, I think that's sort of the joy of it all, right? You have managed expectations, like, you know, what can Fedor really do at 45? And I still think his next fight, he might go back to be turning back into a pumpkin. But for this one, dude, he was Cinderella at the ball. Jesus Christ, he looked great. Yeah, so yeah, he, take he it for was... what it is this time, but let's not get too, too crazy about it. All right, match matchmaking Monday. Match, match, ma, what? Uh, Luke, tell me if you hate this. You ready for this? Okay. All right. All right. We're going to go to the States. We're going to go to Chicago, where Fedor loves to fight in, loves to support. And we do Fedor against Gay Guard Musasi, legend versus legend at heavyweight. Come on. Come on. Come on, bro. Come on. You like it. You like it, Musasi. You do. Yeah, that's not my favorite. I was hoping you would say a rematch with Verdum. I wonder if that might be a little bit different. I mean, that's I would like cool. To see him run that one back. That's that's yeah. cool. Okay, but don't you want to? If he, I don't know. You're, see, you're he's high got more on juice Musashi than in we, these big fights more than I am. He's got more juice than we thought, but yet it's still fool's gold. Yep, it's you know all things considered, the homecoming. He was in better shape than normal. It's all fool's gold, right? Perfect opponent, perfect way it played out. It just kind of makes me want to say, okay, is the best way to get great entertainment from him putting him in in a, you know, De La Hoya versus Pacquiao type matchup? Put him in one where it's like, you know, he either he succumbs to the speed and technique of a smaller in their prime guy or he overwhelms them with strength. It's an interesting, I don't know, that's interesting theater, Luke. I get Dan Hendo vibes on this one that like all the advantages conferred on him by being at heavyweight would somewhat be taken away when you fight a guy like Musasi, but... I think most. I think a lot of people would like it. I'll put it that way. I think All right, give me a couple like matchups that would move you, because you know I'm going to say Anderson Silva. You know that's you know you know that Silva pretty. for sure. If the price tag can be afforded, I like a JDS fight. I think at this stage that makes sense. A Verdum rematch, I like. Dude, they could do Josh Barnett. I think that would be a good fight. Honestly, I was surprised Josh Barnett didn't get the call to begin with. To be honest with you, but. Um, yeah, I think those are all. And dude, Josh Barnett isn't he under fucking. Beltor's roster, like you know, if he's not fighting Fedor, who's he supposed to? I, don't, I just don't understand what's happening there. So yeah. um, um, that's that's who they, I would go with. If they brought back Bigfoot Silva for a rematch, that would be uh, dude. That would he be, shouldn't be. He should. That would be promotional. Uh, what do you call that? Malpractice. 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 Yeah. There you yeah. Go. All right. Let's go to number four here, BC. Before we get to the boxing side of things here, we did have these two cards. We had the Bellator card, of course, early on Saturday afternoon-ish. And then we had UFC around the same time, actually. They were both pretty early. Uh, give me somebody else on either card that stood out to you. Luke, this fella, Anatoly Tokov, the Bellator middleweight who fought in Russia here. Real, real and- fat ass, that guy. Um, dude, that guy is yoked as shit, first of all. But second of all, Luke, he's got a ridiculously good record. And was he the one who had visa issues, which has prevented him in the past from fighting globally? I'm not sure if I've got that correctly, but he went in there against countryman and former training partner Sharaf Davlat Muradov. Damn, I nailed that, Luke. You know, sometimes you got to just, you know, sometimes you got to celebrate the small victories, right? And Luke, um, dude, he looks like a title contender right freaking now. I know it ended up being, what, like a weird split decision that didn't make a ton of sense to be, but uh, I thought he dominated. His wrestling is aggressive as shit. The trip takedowns, uh, the, the the body, the, the, the clean punching, it's sort of like, where has he been all my life, Luke? Where has he been all my life? 
He looked good. He is obviously yoked as shit. I couldn't believe how uh, in shape he was. I did not. I thought he was very good very early. I thought by the third round, it was a little bit. You know, I want to call it a donk fest. That's not fair. the The fight didn't didn't get better as it went longer. How about that? Is that fair? Do you, I mean, do you do you put him in the same skill set though as like the Austin Vanderford who has next at Musasi's middleweight title? Yes, yes, I do. I think he is capable of beating very good fighters in that division in that organization. Yes, I agree. I agree with your overall sentiment that Tokov is a revelation for sure. Um, but um, I didn't think the fight was like super exceptional. That makes sense. Okay, that's fair, Luke. Either way. Uh... You know, we got to give Scott Coker this credit, man. Is he finding gems from the Smash Factory and putting them in Dude. positions where they can shine themselves up? And I love where that's going. The other quick shout out, Luke, because I don't want to forget it, is I got to give Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, a, a ton of credit for that featherweight win. Luke, five in a row in this one. He took damage early against Sung Wu Choi, and it was the point takeaway from Jason Herzog that was big, not for the scoring in the end because it was a, sub, a submission, but it gave Alex Caceres a lot of time to recover, and I thought that was fair from the referee in that spot. Maybe you could say the combination of the length of time and the point being taken away is strict, but he did warn him earlier, and when Caceres realized, okay, I got to go now, he went, and dude, that's a... he's Look, he was a... He was like a gatekeeper slash fun name, and now he's turning that corner back into real fighter. This was a good performance in the end. Um, five in a row at UFC level is hard to argue with, other than he's not been fighting the very best that UFC has to offer. But he is slowly but surely making a lot less mistakes about his own skill set, when to go, when to break, where to put the fight. He's just making better decisions, I guess is what I would say. And that's typically the mark of fight IQ. And some guys pick it up quickly, some guys takes a little bit longer, but it seems like he's finally coming around and he's showing a better demonstration of what he's capable of. Um, I still have managed expectations about how far that actually goes, but you got to give credit where credit is due. Five wins in a row, including this one by finish. Those, this, yeah, I'm not they sold. They don't hand you that. I'm not fully sold. He did get dropped and he got you know lit up by some other punches, but that I mean I don't know the way he put that together. You're sort of like okay, let's let, prove it now. Prove it all night. All right. Fair enough. And well, by the way, I want to give a shout out on extra credit. We'll go over some of these in a little bit greater detail after this podcast is over. I'll go with Saeed Soma, BC, who didn't blow me away by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't come out thinking like, oh my God, he's the next world beater. But I was kind of impressed by what he was able to do. He had a very tentative first round, no doubt about it. But by the second round, he found that lead calf kick and he was tearing Minikov up by it. I agreed with Big John's scorecard, who had first round for Minikov, second round for Soma. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get the conclusion of the third round because the finger of Minikov got dislocated, and by the time he popped it back in, it was it was too late or whatever had happened to it. But, dude, by the third round, you could make a case that Soma was winning that fight, maybe, and was on his way to beating Minikov, not in the most... Again, it wasn't super amazingly detailed, but he knew when to press the gas, when to press the brakes. He found that calf kick. He went back to it. His mo his movement was good. He was smaller for the weight class, but nimble as well. I still think he's got a lot of experience that he needs, but as they were saying on the broadcast, you know, there's hard-to-find guys who are going to travel to Moscow to fight Minikov, and, and he was up for it. A again, the win, maybe you could run this fight back and it'd be a little bit different if the if the finger doesn't pop out the next time, but... I don't know. There was enough there from him, given what he's already showed and what he showed here for me to say, this guy can keep going. He's got, he's got work to do. 
there might be something there with Saeed Soma. I was yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by this. There might be. There might be. It's it's hard because you know the whole question of okay, the finger was broken and kind of dislodged, but they wanted to just kind of stick it back in and keep fighting. Should you be allowed, or should that be an instant stoppage and a TKO defeat? Um, in this case, you know they went the safer route, but I feel like Minikov was going to win a close decision, and and he looked rusty, but you know for being two years off. Minikov still can get people the hell out of there. I think what Soma showed was collectively uh, toughness to not get sent to hell, but but really great fighter IQ. Now, Luke, he he's really he's really got like white belt striking. He's got to really step into that and improve. But he used this, his striking smartly to be credible enough to set up what he was doing with the kicks and the threat of bringing it to the ground. So overall, it was sort of like, okay, you kind of stole this win, but it does show that you're going in the right direction. So it was a ballsy effort. It was, it was a sneaky win, Luke. I don't know if that fight should have been stopped. What about you? I mean, I guess it's just the rules. But here's my point. At heavyweight, he's 29. So, like, am I saying he's great now? No, I'm not saying that. But at 29, if you can muster your skills enough to have that kind of performance against that kind of an opponent, let's give this guy a few years and see where things go. He actually might turn out to be something kind of interesting. Uh, work, work in progress is what I'm describing him as. Very much work. But... um I don't know. I saw a little bit there. I was like, okay, you definitely beat my expectations for this one and I they weren't they weren't so low before. This was this was an interesting performance for sure. Yes, Luke, uh, but what about the damn stoppage? I didn't I mean it's, the rules are the rules, right? Like okay, have you ever dislocated your are finger you, or toe? I mean, I get like we've seen people fight through certain breaks to their hand or to their arm. I get if a guy's arm is dangling, stop that shit. But on a on a lower level break slash injury do you feel fighters should be allowed to fight through that? What do you think in terms of morality and ethics and all that? I think that if you can weasel it through, you should be able to. So I forget which fight it was. It may have been the Douglas Lima fight, one of the other ones that Ben Askren had. Ben Askren did a pilot once with Nate Quarry. Nate Quarry, after the show we did with Craig Carton, uh, MMA Uncensored Live, he pitched uh, Spike for a second show where he would go through fighters, film with that fighter, break it down, and blah, blah, blah. And I recall... There was one moment where one of the toes of Ben Askren came uh, out of out of its you know proper position, and it was between rounds. So between rounds, he was able to pop it back in and then keep going. Right now, that's a little bit fortuitous that it happened that way. So in that case, I don't have a problem with it. I think if your finger pops out and you can quickly adjust it, then it should be fine. But if you're making a fist and you've got one finger going up and you can't fix it and you're constantly adjusting it. Dude, the ref has to make a call. You got to make it easy on the refs. You got to make him go, wait a second. Oh, okay, you're fine. Okay. But you have to kind of do it quickly. He couldn't really do it. And eventually I saw him pop it back in. I've dislocated my toe as well. You have to kind of pick it up, rotate it around, and let it go. And honestly, it literally snaps back into position. And then, you know, it might hurt later in the day, but it's more or less fine. He got to that. He just got to it a little bit too slow. So it's unfortunate. It's not a uniform rule. But I guess I don't have a major problem with it if you can't immediately fix that thing. Um, you? I, I think, Minic yeah, I, I mean, I get it. If it's dingling, if it's like this, Luke, right? If it's like this, then, then, yeah. <laughs> then fuck off, right? I mean, you know, yes. right? Uh, Luke, real quickly, I think Minikov would send Fedor to a deep, dark retirement bed. Yes, that's the kind of fight that I would not imagine would okay, necessarily what about go well for Saeed Soma versus Fedor. That's an interesting... I mean, who cares, right? I mean, Soma's interesting. I mean, it prospect. is a who cares, but it's a style clash, Luke. Okay. Nah, dude. Put him in there with a fucking name, bro. Put him in there with a name. Even if it's an older name, put him in there with a name. All right. Last but not least, BC, I rewatched this fight this morning because I just couldn't believe it. Let's talk about boxing very quickly. There was one big bout over the weekend. It aired on ESPN. 
And it was sensational. We've been waiting for this guy to kind of show up and show us what we knew was kind of there or thought was kind of there. Well, now we know it's there, and there's just no denying it. Shakur Stevenson beat the brakes off Jamel Herring. I'm not sure if he won a round. That jab was pumping from the first round on. Stevenson never was in trouble in this bout. I'm not sure he ever got hit clean except for a couple of jabs. B.C., was this what you have been waiting for from Shakur Stevenson? Yeah, yeah. My boy is all grown up, as they used to say, Luke. Uh, wow. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. So this is where, okay, look, when Timothy Bradley makes a, a public criticism as a pundit, does it have more respect to everyone than like you and I because he's an ex-fighter? Absolutely. But I like that we respect people like us who have that form and go after it and say it. And Bradley, after that last fight against Jeremiah Nakantilla, in which Stevenson, you know, faced some of that power and kind of started going the other direction and didn't didn't go for the finish and was happy to just get a boring decision, Tim Bradley came out and was like, you're not going to be a star unless you go after it and get it. I love that Shakur Stevenson took that to heart, Luke, and that he went back into the lab and was like, yeah, I could and should be so much better. And once he crossed that threshold, he still didn't put himself in too many dangerous positions, but he just had the mentality of a finisher. And I didn't even think he was necessarily going for the finish. What I mean by that is I never thought he was actually setting Herring up for the knockout. I just felt like he believed if he comes out there with that posture, he's going to land so much damage that he's going to end up stopping Herring anyway. And that's what happened, Luke. Um, this was such a good performance that I get people going, man, with the thoroughness and the unexpected just dominance of this, it's very comparative to Floyd Mayweather against Diego Corrales. I hear a lot of people saying that. I don't love that comparison because as much as I respect Herring and as much as he was a respected champion, he's not as good as Corrales was at that time of that loss. But Luke, let me make a different Floyd comparison this ended up looking a lot like Floyd Mayweather versus Arturo Gotti, which was a pay-per-view mm -hmm. that people wanted to talk themselves into thinking it could be competitive, and Floyd just mopped the floor with Gotti. Shakur Stevenson mopped the floor with with uh, with Jamel Herring here. Maybe it's that lack of top-end power was the only thing that prevented this from being a clean or cleaner and earlier stoppage, and I do think that's real. I think, like Floyd Mayweather... The more Shakur Stevenson rises in weight, he's going to always have to overcome that thing that he's not a big puncher. But Luke, he is so damn skilled. And when he acts the part as the aggressor, uh, that speed is just sublime. He can get off combinations that maybe he shouldn't. And what I love most about this victory top to bottom is he didn't run and circle away and do things that he could have done by default, even when he had the fight in hand. He fought at close range, again, like a young pretty boy Floyd. And this was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, he kicked the shit out of him, Luke. And you don't always see that at the at the super elite level. No, this was it was, was not very close. From the from the first from the first round on, you knew Herring was in trouble. I the, the ease with dude, you know what blew me away was Stevenson, to your point. He wasn't standing far outside. He was just, and I do mean just outside the hooking range of herring and he would just constantly get out of the way and so the punches were always missing or blocked or just barely landing on stevenson and meanwhile he was landing with absolute clean authority over and over hooking around the gloves of herring going to the body he was backing herring up constantly he was making him circle into traps dude this he was just he literally he was better everywhere he, even on the inside when they fought later in that fight because it kind of slowed down a little bit after like the seventh or eighth or whatever and they were kind of fighting on the inside. Even on the inside, that wasn't the best that uh, that I thought Stevenson looked. But even there, 
he was doing the better work of the two. Jamel Herring really, uh, for the most part, never had a chance in this contest. So, so it leads me to the second question here. What kind of fight would you want to see next from Stevenson? Is it the one that he suggested for himself? What makes sense at this point? What was the one that he suggested, just so I'm aware, Luke? Uh, Jojo. Jojo Diaz, which would be interesting. Yes. That would also be a unification fight. I want, I, that's the question, is what's next? How quickly do we enter him into that conversation, Luke, that I've seemingly been the only one that has been with those, not four kings, but four princes, as Karen Mulvaney likes to say, those big four names at lightweight. Is it time for Stevenson, who just became a second champion in as many divisions, now at 130, to move up to lightweight to really see how great he could be? Could he be the bridge between making some of these fights between... Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, Teofimo, Lopez, Gervonta that we just can't seem to make because of boxing politics. I don't know. But if Top Rank wants to keep him right now at 130, Luke, the fight to make before and the fight still to make, even bigger than Jojo Diaz, is Oscar Valdez, who knocked out Miguel Burchell, then defended this title under the PED accusations. And Luke, that fight at 130 is just such a perfect style contrast. I mean, that's going to be potentially... Shakur's like Floyd Mayweather versus Diego Corrales moment where you're in there against a guy who can do some damage to you. Can you go and do the same performance that you did against Jamal Herring against them? I would say it's more likely that top rank wants to go in that direction that maybe even Herring does because Luke, I I would favor Herring to do some things to Oscar Valdez and Oscar Valdez is great, right? I, I, I'm that high on Shakur. I don't know. My question to you right now, as we look to the future is more like this. Am I as high as I should be? Should I be higher? Am I too high, Luke? Look in my eyes. Am I too high right now? Do you think Shakur Stevenson could go in there against the elite lightweights right now and swim in that water because of how freaking fast, smart, and sublime he is? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he is extremely skilled and extremely talented. I do worry about... Do you know what size gloves they were wearing? Because they seemed rather large i don't know what they were using for the fight itself but uh in either case um dude he's just as talented as those guys if not more i do worry about the power and i do worry about a little bit the size um at 135 for him about whether that's where he can get his optimal amount of work i don't we'll only have to see but if you're asking me do i think he is as talented or more talented than some of the four princes, probably I do think he, that he is. I think he is absolutely in that conversation. It's just, it's a question of exactly how he would fit um, with some of the larger size uh, considerations. So, here's what's interesting. I don't want to say he's a young Floyd Mayweather because that would take into the whole account of Floyd, and I don't think he's a young money Mayweather. No, he's going to have to prove that, move up in weight and still be the, you know, be able to take on these bigger, more dangerous guys and just, you know, out-thrill and slick them. But he's a, he's a southpaw, young, pretty boy Floyd right now. But, Luke, if he's going to have success at 135, 140, and 147 long range, do you think he's going to have to rely exclusively on, like, a Pernell Whitaker defensive-based jab style, and that's it? Jesus, that's a little hard to say. I, I mean, I didn't see him as especially defensive in this one. I just no, didn't no, see no. His... He was like, pretty boy. I mean, he brought it, dude. Yeah. He brought it. I mean, he but was, this he is 130. This is yeah. 130. I'm talking about up upstairs. It's too I I'll say this. For me, maybe other people in the the boxing community have a better and more nuanced opinion. For me, it's a little too early to tell. I just feel like the way in which he was able to find openings and range and dude, he did it quickly, right? That was the part. It didn't take him a few rounds to figure Herring out. 
it took him like 30 seconds or maybe a minute or something. And he immediately knew where he needed to be. And he just rode that shit out for the rest of the fight. For the most part, again, there was a little bit of inside fighting later. Dude, you can have that kind of range management that quickly. Holy crap, dude. Like, you're going to be really good even up a weight class. But the size... That could get interesting for me. That, that's the part where I just... I, can he hurt a guy at 135 in the way you. that he needs to? You know, It's going to be very interesting when he moves up and when he faces those punchers, and then we'll see who he really is. Right now, though, damn. And I know people saying, oh, you know, from ticket sales to everything, you know, the, maybe he's not the breakout star they thought he could be. I, I wouldn't even worry about that. I think he's going to become a star enough on his own just by his ability. But he's still pretty interesting in terms of the other side of it, the commercial side. Just 24... I know he's had some outside the ring problems, but he seems to put them behind him. And Luke, you know, he's named after Tupac. I mean, that could be worse. He's he's a southpaw and he's brash on the microphone. Although I did like him hearing Terrence Crawford. The whole, you know, they had to put their friendship on hold and pretend they weren't really friends. Everybody's loving again. Could you, I mean, Luke, him hanging out every day with Bud Crawford, that's like the perfect sort of like apprenticeship to like take over the sport, right? Uh, take over the sport seems a little bit grand, right? Pound, on a pound for pound level, I'm telling you, Shakur Stevens going to be the pound for pound king in a couple years. That's what I'm telling you, Luke. Okay. Wow. Well, that's a bold claim. We'll have to see that shit. Yeah. But certainly, he got the Write campaign started. Write that on a wall in a prison somewhere, please. Yes. I want that All on right. the record, on the All darkest right. record. On the record. With that yeah. in mind, we no longer ask each other questions, BC. It's time for the audience to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from the dawn. Yeah, hee haw. All right, hee haw. Boy, look at that guy. I mean, just the joie de vivre of this guy today. Look at him. I got testicles on my damn hat. All right, here we go. From at TCaro39, should there be a universal rule for UFC that enforces a fighter to move up a weight class if they miss weight more than once? Automatic? No. I don't like that. You know, there's got to be layers to this. Like... Yeah, this this can be a passionate debate, Luke, but I think there's got to be layers to this discussion. I do like, I mean, obviously there's some weight situations that should have the ability to be, to have an asterisk added. But in general, I love this rule, Luke, and I think there should be a less than too much sort of hook on this. If you consistently can't prove that you can't make it. Go be healthy. Because I got a lot of people saying, Luke, was this fight so much fun on Saturday because it was at 205? Because they didn't have to cut weight as much. Because they were allowed to be their natural selves. I got a lot of DMs asking that. I I wish I could say their names to give them credit here. But who the hell cares at the end of the day? It's about the hot take, Luke. So, uh, hot take, what do you got? I mean, if they did it, it'd be... It wouldn't be the end of the world. But, like, I would want carve-outs. Like, if you miss two in a row, but... Or not two in a row, but two, two, let's say you miss weight twice over the course of however many fights. But number one, like, what does that mean? Like, what if you've had 30 fights and you've missed two times? Like, you're supposed to go up a weight class at that point? That seems a little insane, right? Number one. Number two, what if you took one of those fights on, like, a week's notice and you just couldn't make weight? Like, should that count as well? Like, just saying if you miss it more than once, automatically you should go up. I understand the spirit of what they're saying. So I guess I would say is if you could have a more carefully crafted language and carve outs for it i do agree that if you're just a big motherfucker and you're trying to squeeze into a weight class that's too small for you and you do it twice you know it's a short succession yeah in that case you probably should go up but i can imagine a number of scenarios where just missing it more than once would not be enough good reason to push someone especially up 20 pounds 10 pounds is whatever 20 fucking pounds that's a lot man 
Yeah. It's like I used to play rec basketball in high school, Luke, and they had like an A squad and a B squad, and some teams would try to be like cheeky and put really good players on the B squad, and then oh, eventually yeah. the other coaches would like get on like a conference call and they'd they'd ban people from the B squad. You know, we, we may have to ban you from that. Luke, it's interesting. This weight debate is it's like the abortion debate. There's so many layers to it. It gets very hairy. I don't want to know your politics or your religion, just in case you were wondering. At nosebleed seating. How would you rank Jason Herzog among current active referees? Dude, didn't he just take a make a leap yesterday or Saturday? He kind of made a leap, Luke. Uh, he's been good for a long time. Bellator, you, it's funny, Bellator used him long before UFC ever really called him up all that often. I think UFC got wise to the fact that he's very good. He's among the best, if not the best. I think Jason Herzog is great. Um, Arash Markazi was covering a... Uh, a UFC like referee training story for ESPN a couple years back. And uh, Jason Herzog was there and like Rashad or, or not Rashad, uh, Arash went to the mat to roll and like they were showing him some things and Herzog broke his rib, dude. Broke that's, Arash's rib. Yeah. That's no nonsense right there. All right. I don't know. Uh, I'm not some, saying it was someone like someone else. Did someone else break the rib and write the story? And then Arash took that and wrote it or uh, that, not, not accept, I'm not accepting that. It's my friend. I'm not accepting that those words right now. I'm sorry. All right. You're going to have to plagiarist. That. Uh, okay. okay. I will. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. I'm not sure if he smells like uh women in hooch though. Like, like, uh, like the real no nonsense, but yes, Luke Herzog <laughs> operating. Well, okay. Let's right now. Who's the, who's the guy? It's been Herb Dean for a long time. I thought um, Mark Goddard has entered into that conversation for lately. Who's the pound for pound best of the moment? The guy you feel most trusted with in a super big UFC pay-per-view main event? Probably Herzog. Probably. Wow. I think Mike Beltran is pretty good. So I has think... our guy ever recovered from the weed uh, in the jail time? What's our guy's name? The guy from... Uh, oh, from... Rosenthal? Yeah, from Lesnar Carwin. He did a Man, fantastic I've been trying job. To, I've been trying to get an interview with him for years. He just no-sells it every time. Uh I saw him back after a while, but then I haven't seen him since. Yeah, if, I feel like it's been a while. I, like, I, I want to put him in there because I respect his game when he's at his best, but I, don't, I haven't seen him in a while. Um, I don't think Mike Beltran's there. He's, he's getting better. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I don't mean to turn this as a referendum of who's good or who's bad, but yes, Jason Herzog, very good, Luke. Very good. All right, from at Travis.Whitney69. Luke, how did you enjoy the rugby over the weekend? Uh, how about the Haka? Dude, the rugby was great. I mean, especially if you were a fan of the, the New Zealand team. Jesus Christ, they beat the fuck out of the Americans. I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, but, dude, it was great, man. Like, you know, listen, I'm not one of these guys who's like, you should like rugby more than American football. I like American football better because, well, I'm American. But, but, dude, rugby's a fucking sweet-ass game. People ask me why I watch it because it's fun as shit. And here's the other part. Like, this was the eight, well started out as the A squad of the All Blacks. They don't come to the United States all that often. Like, you don't get to see this high level of version of the game in front of you very often. Although my dad complained about the per-person $150 seats that I purchased, which, you know, I was just overjoyed to hear his complaints, let me assure you. I, just, I mean, I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? I asked him, I was like, what'd you think about the Hawkeye after we watched it? And he goes, yeah, it's pretty far away. Probably better to watch on TV. I'm like... You know what I'd love to do with MK cameras rolling is put you and your dad in the same room, but have it be like one of those from a movie police interrogation rooms, right? Where we're like, we're watching behind the glass with the cameras and then we'll play um, Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin and then just film both of you. Like, will you break down and hug at the end or will you just like, or will you just be like a total standoff of like, I hate you? No, I don't hate my father, but I just didn't have a great weekend after he complained about everything that we did and... uh and we did it for him because my dad played rugby um, in college and then uh, 
a little while after it, and he so he loves it. He loves it, and so I, you know, I was like, oh, you get a chance to watch the Americans. This was like a World Cup qualifier too, I think, or something pretty close. Anyway, you don't get a chance to watch this version of the All Blacks play in full on rugby, not like you know uh, rugby sevens. And they beat the absolute fuck out of us. But I really enjoyed it. And I told you before the show, the Kiwis, there was, I get, I get, this was a bit of a big deal because we saw like license plates from like Montreal, California, Alaska. There were Kiwis from all over the country who were here trying to watch this game. They were the majority of the supporters there by far. And um, they were all very friendly. They were not a rowdy bunch whatsoever. They were, they were celebratory, but not rowdy. And then when I posted some of the videos or whatever from the weekend, a bunch of them DM me, and they were all so friendly, so kind. I I, I would go back in an instant if they were ever here again. I, I really enjoyed it. So, shouts to everyone who made it. Out. Sometimes they, and I, that sounds like a great event. And oh, I actually, and I met got, some MK fans as well. I got recognized oh, oh, when shit. I was there. Oh shit! I yeah. was just gonna put a button, Luke, on the other conversation and say, um, sometimes the lane to get dad's attention is not the, the the road you want to go, but I'll help you with this. What about next week in Las Vegas for the Canelo fight? You and I, first we stop at high rollers. We try, you know, sample the gimmicks, support the guys. Say, hey, any any Jujutes experts want to just come with us? We got a quick check-in on this rental property. Guy, guy not paying his rent on time or whatever. And Luke, we go in there with the high rollers crew and they take that that renter, they take them right down and stretch them, Luke. And then we get like a video of the renter, like, you know, tapping out. And, and you know, I'll, I'll never miss paying my rent again, Mr. Thomas. Dude, your dad would be so fucking proud of you. I mean, we should do this, dude. No, he wouldn't. He would call the cops on me first. But also, it's not it's not residential. It's commercial property that someone has uh, failed to pay their... Uh, we could their, probably beat up a janitor their... at least. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> Sorry, sir. You have to get this. It's just um, I need my dad to love me. Uh, okay. From this is a stupid question from Jose Youngs. I mean, why did they? Why did the team even select this? It's not even no, a good no, zing. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Why does Luke use gloves to lift weights? Ha ha ha. Of course I don't. I like Jose Youngs, but this question sucks balls. Can we move on? Do you on? think Jose Youngs is is you know has as good a win loss record as his handsy as Mike Bone? He probably should be. No, I don't think so. But but if Mike Boner has like you know he sort of zombie walked into a few opportunities. He it was outside of his weight class. See, I if think. Young looks himself in the mirror at the end of the day and says I'm let I'm letting Mike Bone like you know out here you know he's stealing everything I work for and like wakes up to this he could probably go on an Uncle Pepe like run like sort of like when Manny Ramirez joined the Dodgers and hit like 900 for that stretch. I th- I could see that happening. Nah, MMA fighting gives him too much work to party. Um. All right. From at DB underscore Scott underscore Outlaw. Now, this question is good. What are your favorite Halloween oh, candies? Can All I, right, BC, can, give me a list Can I do breaking news of... on this, Luke? Okay, yes, normally please. what's my favorite Halloween candy? I'm a chocolate and peanut butter guy, so, it, you know, as basic as peanut butter cups or if you can go next level and go with the, uh, what's the damn one that Hershey makes? The, uh, the chocolate and peanut butter. The best candy bar in the world. What's it called, Luke? The damn... Uh... Snickers? No, the one with the chocolate and the peanut butter. It's an orange wrapper. Oh, Reese's? Yeah, yeah. What's that one? I said Hershey. I meant Reese's. What's that one that they? So there's Reese's Pieces, but then there's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. No, no. The damn, the damn bar, Luke. The chocolate bar with the peanut butter and the chocolate that Reese's makes. It's an orange package, and it's the best candy bar of all time. You know the one I'm talking about, Luke. I don't actually. It's so good, I can't remember. What you call it? Is it what you call it? No, Luke. It's not. It's not. This is driving me crazy here. But uh, what's it called? The fast break, Luke. 
Fast Break by Reese. Oh, I have had Fast Break. Yes, it is good. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that shit's the absolute best. But let me tell you this, Luke. I, I, I ran over to the Walgreens yesterday to get some candy for the family to for some like movie watching and survivor watching as a family you know good wholesome shit and uh to the dismay of my family i bought the new you know candy corns made by that company brock's you know like the best like it's candy corn shit but it's the best version comes from them the highest end they have I actually a new... like candy corns but yes go ahead i mean it's, it's crack cocaine right they have the ultimate crack cocaine brock's now has thanksgiving dinner flavored candy corn which basically means that Every single one has a different flavor. Some taste like vegetables. Some taste like meat. Some taste like ice cream. Some taste like, uh, you know, applesauce. Like it's it's dude across the board. It's the most bizarre. There's like there's a party in your mouth. You just don't know if you invited those people. It's sort of like the party in Weird Science where those guys come on like the motorcycles. Just shit. How do we get these guys out of our fucking house? You know what I mean? Like that's what it's like in your mouth. Yeah. At the end of it, you're like, I know I shouldn't be here. It's sort of like you know. I'm going to catch an STD, hopefully just herpes, right? Hopefully. Like, I, I can keep going on if it's just that, right? That's what it's like eating this. Luke, it is, it is, uh, whoever, whatever chemist came up with this crack shit that's going to kill us, it is some thoughtful next level thinking, okay? This is like Willy Wonka shit, right? What, what candies do you not like for Halloween? Bro, you cannot no-sell that story and not react to it. Would you be willing to try this? Yo, it's a whole damn meal. They got vegetable meat I would, I would meat try it, candy. but it sounds like ass. Violet, I'd try it. I would try it. I would try it. All right. All right. Go ahead. Ask your question, Luke. What do you got? No, what I'm saying, what what are the ones when you sort it, are you like trash? Oh, yeah. Uh, Baby Ruth, Butterfinger to me are trash. Oh, my God. You are a fucking Osama bin Campbell. You are so wrong about that. What else? Um, so I like some bad shit. Like I like mounds and almond joy, although they were made in my town growing How up. How do you so like mounds and almond joy more than baby Ruth and Butterfinger? Yeah, that I make do. Any sense? I like uh, I I yeah like a, like a old, like if you get like a frozen Mary Jane from an old lady, those are actually those actually turn out well in the end, Luke. Um, what do I throw out? Well, I throw out the popcorn ball first of all. Well, look, dude, Butterfinger's gross. So you gotta you gotta get rid of that right away. Okay, Butterfinger's great, but okay. I don't know. I don't. I'm not throwing out too much else. What do you not like, Luke? All right, I mean, I'm not the guy. I'm not going to go to the mat for it. I don't like love it, uh, but I don't hate candy corn like other people hate candy corn. Like everyone's like, oh, I don't like candy corn. I'm like, bitch, it's pure sugar. What is there not to like? Like, shut the fuck up. You obviously like it. You're just doing a bit. So number one, there's that. Number two, I, Reese's is your apex predator every time. Either Reese's Pieces or the peanut butter cups. Or Joe, just do the fast break. Can you put some respect fast on that? Fast break name? is fast break is great. I love that as well. It's like a, it's a it's a sex bar, Luke. Uh, Baby Ruth is a fucking home run every yeah. single time. Yeah. You're, I can't believe that. The ones I'm fucking like, I'm not a big like sprees. Oh no! See, okay, look, uh, here's where I was gonna separate you on the fruit side. In the sprees, Skittles, Starburst category, like Mamba's, like I am all in on that. I'm not in on like gumdrops, jelly beans. Uh, you know, like dots, like that kind of bullshit. Get that shit. I, away I like that. Okay, I'm not as out on it as you. Oh, like I'm good, definitely... good and fruity, or the other guy? No, the the black. Oh, good version. and plenty. Yeah, good Yo, and plenty. Those like people. Balls. That's that's where I like. I'll light that shit on fire, Luke. Okay. Uh, my old producer Marissa used to hate Reese's Pieces, and I was like, dude, how the fuck is that? Our Reese's peanut butter cups. And I'm like, how do you not like yeah. chocolate and peanut butter? And she's like, I don't like peanut butter. I'm like, 
right? You're you deserve to go to Guantanamo yeah. Bay for that take. I just want to be very clear about that. Luke, do you um, agree I that do, the, I do uh, like Starburst? I do like Skittles, but if I'm going to get Skittles for Halloween, I want the exotically flavored kind. Not oh, I always want the exotically flavored. Yo, that tropical. I mean, I'm a wild berry guy, but that tropical bag has been underrated for years. The, yo, warheads are decent, core dog. Corey Manich driving in here with a. You know, I, I'm down for that shit. Um, Warheads are ass. They're not that good. Don't like them. I that forgot much. what hilarious question I was going to ask you. I'm sure it would. It would have set the house on fire. Look, I forgot that shit. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, pixie sticks. Remember pixie sticks? I always hated pixie sticks. They're kind of gross. I mean, that's it's like just a, it's just a straw full of sugar. Yeah, basically. I mean, at that point, you got to put that rubber thing around your thing and just inject, just mainline that shit. At that point, uh, no, I, yeah, I try I'm to a, stay I'm away a, from. I'm that. a. I'm a. Where are you on Hershey's Kisses? I like Hershey's Kisses oh, for yeah. Christmas. Yo, the they are so stuffer. underrated in reality. We think of them as a throwaway one, but like when that's your only option. Yo, those can still slay. Okay, so oh, keep that. This is I was right. This is why you. I want. This is this is why I want to kill my old producer. She thought York peppermint patties were better tasting than Reese's peanut butter cups. Which okay, is she's about wrong. The thing but women love that mint stuff. They they love it, Luke. Okay, you got to understand that about them. Okay. All right. I, okay. All right. Final okay. thing on this. Um, yo, the Mars, uh, dark Milky Way is that? Yeah. No, the dark Milky Way is is insanely great. No one wants to talk about that. Uh, it tastes like balls, and Three Musketeers is also shit. No, okay, no, 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 no. Three Musket, put some Twix and Three Musketeers are still, still all stars. Twix, I'm okay but... with. Twix, I'm okay with. Three Musketeers is feces. No, that's it's a, that's a hard, that's a bad take. That's a like if you, you go to, to someone's house and they give you Three Musketeers, they basically just shat in your little not Halloween true. bucket. Not no, not true, Luke. I, like I get it's an aging superstar, but this is like you know you're not taking this. No, this is Gaff likes Hershey's with nuts in them. Okay, that's what I've been told. Yeah, it's like dude, I don't mess around with those nuts. You know, I, it's not, I'm not against nuts. They just don't belong in chocolate. You know, if, if they don't need to be. Also, all you people with peanut allergies, I want you to know I look down on you. I, I just oh, think that's that you're. Not fair. I There's just think some... that you're infirm and weak. Wow. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't have nuts. I mean, why, why are you? In I disagree society? with you that. You should just people go live. Allergic the, to you should them, go Luke. live in the Costa Rican jungle somewhere. Luke, it's their. It's not their. It's not their fault. Like, okay, just like you and Will hunting, Luke. It's not your fault. All right. Uh, okay, and then that I think is it for DMs with Donks, which means it's time for your shit. Every week, uh, what what we do is um, we get the really funny videos and we play them for you on Mondays. It's called. Have you seen this shit? Oh. Oh, God. Luke, we scour the globe in these parts for all kinds of fighting shit and beyond, and we went to UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas. Luke Middleweights, Gregory Rodriguez, and Zhang Young Park put on a fight of the year contender. Bro, this was sloppy and beautiful. It's not... Oh, there's that uppercut. You knew that one was going to close the show. Ooh. Jesus. Rodriguez, a man's man to win that, Luke, but he didn't bring a dime of defense with him. That was a fun, old-school sort of like, F it, let's go for it type of fight. He went for it. Damn. All right, Luke, flyweight Jeff Molina delivering the boom here to Daniel Lacerda early on in the card, if we still have it. There it is. All right. Oh, apparently we missed it. So we'll maybe catch the replay, Luke. This part's fun, I guess. Yeah, this is great. All right, maybe we don't see it at all. Oh, oh you just yes. caught him on the yeah. You try not to take kick that punching range. You. Yep, that's gonna hurt. All right, Luke, let's go over to women's strawweight. Randall Marcos got a much needed win here with her under five hundred record. But how about this running headbutt attempt on Livia Reynada Souza? Luke, is this legal? 
Henata. Ooh. Oh, God. Good Lord. Jesus. Bro, yeah. I'm surprised she didn't get countered running in, running her down like that, but I guess Sousa yeah. wasn't. Wow. You know. That is that is something right there. Let's go to Bellator 269 in Moscow. On the undercard, they call this guy Baby Fedor, your boy Kirill Sidelnikov, taking Rab Truesdale to TKO1 territory, Luke. Yeah, you know, he's been up and down. He didn't quite pan out to be the guy that we thought he was going to be the next Fedor, but, uh, you know, he's big and chubby and got a nice hammering win there. All right, women's flyweight action, Katarzyna Sadura getting the TKO2 here against Darina Mazuk. And look at the slam to set it up, Luke. Yeah, she leaves her own feet so that she crashes on top, which hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah, that's like some WWE shit right there. Wow, okay. Hey, R- Risen, Ryzen time in Japan, Ryzen 31. Luke, do you know about this Rakuto Yamada soccer kick KO? That's vicious oh, yeah. as shit. Yeah, dude, I was going to talk about this, but you kind of stole my thunder, but that's okay because this is the highlight is better. That was fucking super vicious. Damn, dude. Damn. I yeah, mean, dude, I know they it's don't legal. Fucking play in Ryzen. They got some. I love their rules. Yeah. I Could you could you want this in the UFC? You can't really want that. Can you? Not necessarily. It's like, dude, we don't. Here's the thing I don't understand from people sometimes. I'm not saying you per se. I'm just saying like, dude, I don't need every promotion to have the same rules. I might need every territory to kind of have the same rules or there needs to be some sort of designated rule systems that once you have that system and other people use it, they don't tinker with it. But like, I like the fact that there's a ring in Ryzen. I like the fact that that one does things a little bit differently. I like the unified rules too. I like them all, but I don't want the same kind of MMA everywhere. Let's let's vary it up a little bit. You sound like a guy perfectly ready for Thanksgiving candy corn, Luke. I can't wait What's to up? see you eat that on air. By the way, I candy threw away corn the is the, the shit. Bag. I love that's candy just, corn. It's an addicted. That's just addiction right there. All right, let's go to the regional MMA scene. Luke, they say anything can happen here, including a five-second finish that has the internet. Oh buzzing. well, this guy had it coming. I mean, like, okay, have a good night. Yeah, I mean, you got to put your hands up. Wow, that's just whew. Yeah, maybe don't leg kick someone off the glove touch. <clears throat> yeah. Justice is best served in a dimly lit gymnasium on the regional level. Yes, it is. All right, Luke. XMMA that, That's probably an amateur fight that he lost for free. He got brain damage for free. Probably. Luke, at XMMA 3 in Miami over the weekend, we saw former names fall hard. How about former Bellator yep. champ Daniel Strauss getting all kinds of tuned up by Keith Richardson? Yeah, I was going to go over this one, too, so you stole my thunder, but that's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, it's okay because you have the highlights actually better this way. I've been stealing yeah, since dude. 2019, Luke, all right? Well, Strauss had a series of legal problems that I'm not sure if they've been resolved or not, but it has kept him from consistent training and injuries as well for some time. And, uh, you know, clearly he probably wasn't in the best shape or whatever. And this kid's probably pretty good, too, but... Um, Strauss is hard to beat, and if someone beat him like this, I'm guessing he's a diminished version of himself. Yeah, sadly, that wasn't the only thing happening on this card. Luke, former Strikeforce champion Nate Marquardt showing up, and that ended quickly, a TKO2 yeah. against Valdir Arujo. This was a little bit of a war, though, Luke. He stance switched uh, with the body kick before into a left-handed stance switch and then uh, just landed right up the middle there. I'm not sure Marquardt ever kind of caught up. Look at these hammer fists. Jesus. Marquardt was, remember he said he was going to make a big comeback? I'm like, dude, when he left the UFC, he was, don't you remember? That's one of the few instances where his coach, Trevor Whitman, 
threw the towel on his behalf. It was like, are you? I think it was the Kelvin Gastelum fight, maybe something like that. Where he was like, you're not responding. You want to keep going? He just said, forget it. This is over. And that was the right call. Well, he's he wanted been to, active. He wanted him out to come back. He's been real active on the in, on the uh, on the indies on the regional level, Luke, and he's been winning some. I mean, he's washed, but um, Luke, that fight was so wild though. Did you see Arujo's face? And this was from winning. That's look at those jabs from uh, Marquardt's elbow when he had top position, Luke. Just, just, oh God, Jesus! How much do you, you get know, paid for this? Five k, ten k? He kind of looks like the bad guy in Ghost, Willie Lopez, right? Um, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Yo, he took yo, he took uh, Swayze's soul up in the alley. I mean, of course, Swayze's soul came back to haunt everybody else, but yeah, all right. yeah. All right, Luke, let's go over to Brazil. ST30 prelims. We had some professional pillow fighting. Only Grabaca Hitman could give us this type of art into the world, Luke. Um, What the fuck? Yeah. How do you, so what's is, in the bags? Is there anything in the bag big enough where you could win? I don't know. I mean, I saw professional fast tag on ESPN over the weekend. I guess we got... Dude, this only counts if you're in an aisle at Target and it's Black Friday shopping. Or or if the ladies are nude. I mean, that's that's where this belongs, basically, Luke, right? I mean, yeah, shouldn't you be doing this in, like, street clothes and, like, the winner gets the toaster or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, all my kids do is watch videos involving where they put people in, like, you know, if you, if you touch this car, the last person to keep touching it wins it. You know what I mean? And people will, like, will live there for five days and try to outsmart each other. My kids just love that shit. Have you ever happens. seen the uh, documentary Hands on a Hard Body? No, I, I can't watch it. I, it's like that in the hoarding shows or the pimple popper. I can't do I, I don't want to. I watched, I, I also don't watch um, Help. Our, there's a show I saw the other day. It was called, like, because my toes are, and my toenails are just, I mean, I, I don't have toes so much as I just have fungus where toes have grown out. Shout of. out to Jublia. I think I, uh, I think I showed my uh, love to them once. You know, the years of the you know, you know not doing anything about it and getting the military has ruined it. But anyway, there was a documentary called Hands on a Hard Body. This was made in the '90s, and it was a deal where you touched a truck. There's a brand new truck at a dealership, and you put your hand on it, and the last person to remove their hand or the last person standing with their hand on it, I should say, wins the truck. And this would go on for days. People would be touching it, the truck. And it was a documentary about all of the creatures who try to win a, tr a truck via this way. And there was one guy who's claimed to being able to do it for hours at a time was having a Snickers and an orange. Anyway, these were not bright people, but the documentary is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Long story short, these were not our finest Americans, but they died for it just the same. Yeah, Look, I mean, it wasn't a meeting at Mensa, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, pro boxing, uh, top rank was in Atlanta for the Stevenson card on the undercard. Luke, this Puerto Rican young sensation, Xander Zayas getting yeah. the opponent's mouthpiece, knocking it right out of the ring. Luke, he, he looked great. Yeah. He looked awesome. I mean, you know, he wasn't fighting the stiffest competition, but, no, uh, no. he looked great. He got signed by top rank at 16. Yes, he's supposed to be one of their next big things. Uh, the Chicago native Antoine Cobb, deep on the undercard, made his pro debut, Luke, with a massive first-round KO. Let's see the videotape here. Oh, he sleep. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, look at him talking. Yeah, talk that shit. I love that. Uh, Luke, also son of a legend, Evan Holyfield, was back on this card in, in one of his, you know, four, fifth, sixth pro fight. Uh, he went TKO2 here. Look at look at the, the fine work from young Evan. Phone booth fighting. Oh, yeah. Oh. Just like his dad. Oh, yeah. Look at him come back and put it on him right there. 
That left hook. He landed it before. It didn't quite sit him down the first time. It sat him down oh, that Evander. time. Evander loves that shit. Yes. Evander's what like, is, yo, what is yo, uh, holy. Sorry. I got what's a property it, in Las Vegas. I need you to check on, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what, yeah, I know. This could be me and my dad would be like, hey, when this is over, can you drive by the property to see if we can, <laughs> you know, evict this guy or whatever? Hey, Rob Thomas, this could be us, but you're playing, all right? Oof, Jesus, that was a nice shot. Yeah, a lot of these guys who get flattened at this level, you'll notice they just stand in the pocket and don't really move. Yeah, they're And perfect. so it, be, it becomes a question of who lands first, but um, there you go. Luke, I saw this video on, on, on friend of the program Rashad Evans' IG account. Uh, this is Rashad doing knife fighting with an instructor. Oh, what the hell is going on here, Luke? Bro, this is, this is me julienning that food I eat at dinner. <laughs> and my daughter's trying to take it. I don't know. Hey. Here's the thing. I don't know. Listen, let me just say this out loud. I don't know. I know literally jack shit about knife fighting. But I tend to wonder, like, our best practices about knife... Like, how... So you remember back in the day when you would get, like, these, like, oh, I'm going to be a Tai Chi master and fight in the UFC. Like, the first five of them, and they would get the shit beat out of them, yeah. and you kind of realize that, like, that whole thing is totally fraudulent. Yeah. How fraudulent is knife fighting? Like, how real is it? How fraudulent is it? Um, I just, I just stab, I go right for the heart, Luke. I mean, I don't think about technique, you know what I mean? I, I mean I'm like, I gotta kill this motherfucker. Have right? you ever <laughs> butchered an animal? Uh, no, 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 no. Does that, you've never, does that make you've me never butchered an animal before? Does that make me less never? of a man, Luke, to you? It does, Dude, fun. there's a bunch of things where it's like, it's kind of weird. Like, you're like, oh, I'm the American alpha. It's like, I don't know if you can bench press your own weight. You've never fired a <laughs> firearm. You've never butchered an animal. Like, what have you done? Is this your criteria? Is this your criteria for uh, for me being a man in your eyes? A little. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be out there butchering animals like fucking Wolverine or something, but <laughs> you've never done it. You've never skinned a deer or anything like that. Well, Robin Williams, I have been laid. Okay, at least. I mean, at least, right. right? You know what I mean? All right. All right. I mean, lately, you know, that's not like the world's biggest accomplishment. Uh, Oh, I'll tell you what. There there are um, some incels who watch this show, so they're probably pretty proud of you. This past weekend, I changed a uh, vanity and sink completely. You know, took out the old one, put the new one in, and and also changed a a small chandelier light and changed another light into the electrical. Luke, that may sound like what you do on your lunch break if you're a man's man. But that was a monster accomplishment. In this no, no, no. I, I, I credit where credit is due. That is real handyman shit. That counts. That that's in the in the plus column of like American Alpha. You definitely put a couple of marks on the positive side. I'm just saying, there's a couple of like man shit things you're supposed to have done that you know. I mean, clock's ticking, bro. You got to go. You've never, have you ever hunted? Oh hell no! No, I'm not hunting, Luke. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's not that I'm against the practice of killing an animal so it can be eaten, Luke. I just don't want to do the killing. You know, I love. I mean, look, I got five animals, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an animal weirdo. I'm. I like animals too, but that's actually a more humane way. Oh, to, there we go. Uh, you know, you're not a real animal lover unless you're willing to kill them. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, okay. I'm not All saying right. that. I don't go. Yeah. I have been hunting in 20 years, but I'm saying that like uh, that kind of sustainability around animal life is much better than the factory life of. Oh, I look at this bacon that showed up at Harris Teeter and Publix. That bacon that ended up on your plate is almost guaranteed to have lived a horrible, horrible, inhumane life. The deer that you shot. Probably not. Probably had a great life before you took it. So That's true. You could say that I've chosen a less manly way to feed my family. But, Luke, when it comes to being a hunter and gatherer in this field, 
I'm fucking coming, bro. Okay, I'm coming. <laughs> okay. That's where my knife training comes into into play. Okay, all right, believe all right, that. Right. Do Do you own a knife that is not used for like culinary shit? No, my dad can't believe that the. So my dad was one of those guys who had like you know, floor to ceiling tool chests in the garage, right? To like work on everything, right? Um, and he bought me a, a like the kind of thing you'd buy like an eight year old, like a travel like tool set, right? Right, like you mm -hmm. know, all all the basic shit. And he he was over visiting from Florida last year and something small broke and I went and I grabbed that kit and I was like, You remember this? And he's like is that please tell me that's not your operating tool set? You know, thirty five years later, I'm like, yes, it is. You're damn right, it is. All right. It's like you, right. your dad's like, wait, we're using this kind of wrench you got from an IKEA, yeah, um, yeah. equipment set that you use to build shelves. Is that it? I mean, uh, it's it, it, funny. It's the, I had, that's the equivalent of eating your dinner in a gas station. It really is, Luke. You know, yeah, it is. Last thing I'll say in this is, I had a friend who. Uh, I had one friend uh, in in college, and then afterwards, who was like really rich. Well, the well, that's not true. The girl he married was really rich, and so I was his groomsman, and all the groomsmen got like this monogrammed. Each one got a monogrammed set of like all these tools and this giant fucking tool bag, and it was so good. To this day, I still use it. It was like one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. So. There you go. All right. Back to the countdown, Luke. We go with this. Drunk chick hopping bar stools comes up next. Let's watch closely. Oh, this is, is she white? <laughs> yeah, oh, she is. Oh, God. We could have saw that coming. I mean, that's just. Can we go dude, full this screen is on like, that? It's just, it's just fun. I content, mean, right? dude, you know what? I got to say the gusto with which she tries this. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, like, she's all um, in. This yeah. like American Karen warrior you got here going on. I bet you, do you think this oh. was pre-gaming for a Kid Rock concert, Luke? No, she was pre-gaming for like three doors down. And like somebody who gets mad at liberals for getting vaccines, you know? All right, we had the full profile there. Hey, speaking of the worst things on the internet, remember last week you were like, Island Boys? What the hell's that, BC? Here you go, Luke. Now help me understand why these two mutants are famous. I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a get key going. You're going to keep that gun. I'll be just staring at the sun. I'm just out full gazing. I'm like, pull where I'm staying. They're like, you want to be famous. I'm trying to be out all greatest. I'm going to float all boy. I got a real damn tropic. I'm like, down on the topic. Uh -huh. I'm an island boy. I put my vest on. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make it to the top. I'm an island boy. I'm in someone someone make the case that you could watch this video and then think everyone should have the right to vote I feel like this is the first offspring for when the aliens not only reveal themselves to everybody, but to say, hey, we've taken over this, you know, world now. And then you have your first, like, you know, cross marriages, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is wild. I mean, there's, you know. I guess there's I, I um, 
you know, they say crime is up, but somehow these guys have survived. I don't know how. Well, um, look, that, that, that video is taking over the internet. That'll be the last time we speak of it. Let's keep it moving here. Um, let's go over to the Balloon World Cup. Luke, remember that game you play with your friends growing up when you, when you had, like, no toys or money? It was just who can keep this balloon from hitting the ground because the floor is lava, brother? They've got a pro league for this now, Luke. Dude, is there anything that's not a sport anymore? Dude, I would own you at this one on one though. If you got, if we played in the yeah. MK studio, yeah, yeah, you know what? You probably are a little bit more nimble. Um, yeah, yeah you burning them, get quick and nimble. Yeah, I go crazy when I hear a symbol, Luke. I would just, I would just take my K bar and pop this fucking thing. I don't know why there's a car in there though. Like, I get everything else. Like, these are regular obstacles that you have to contend with to win this game. Well, there's... you know these 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 guys are pro athletes. So after this is over, to make money, they actually have to wash it and then deliver it to its owner. So. <laughs> It's actually a car wash? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, uh, let's go over to the uh, to the diving board. This is why these aren't legal in most states anymore, Luke. Uh, doesn't your insurance rise up when you get a diving board? Hey, is he white? Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, some people would think that's cruel showing this video, Luke. But it, it cruel. Is this cruel... is, this is, I mean, please, dear God, this is what gets me up in the morning. I look forward to this video. This these you don't have enough gym fails for me you know I, I think you've been slacking on your pimping when it comes to that but this kind of stuff watching dumb more... watching dumb ass uh oh you know what the only thing that makes this kind of interesting is that it's a not an above ground pool i thought for sure this would have been given how fucking stupid this guy is but <laughs> all right he's a, he's still a youth luke can we can we move on before you know uh fema takes over somebody reaches out to us and just okay uh luke let's go over to uh this fella Let's just go over to him, Luke. I mean, this guy's the best, right? <laughs> He's much cooler than the Island Boys. <laughs> so Andre Karolinko, look at this guy. He's the oh man, AK forty-seven Andre Karolinko. Um, he has tamed nature, Luke. One shot at a time. I bet he got eaten like a motherfucker after <laughs> this was over. Dude, that bear is not expressing sympathies for this. No, guy. Really not at all. He's gonna. Wow. Okay, let's go back to the drunk chicks. Look, you ever see a uh, a pool filled with beer cans? Oh, I've yeah. seen a couple of them. You ever dive in? Look. Oh no. What are these fucking morons? It's Natty Light. Oh, bitch, you oh, are. God. Wow. Did yeah. You, what did the, you look... think it was gonna be? Some craftmatic adjustable fucking mattress? You fucking. <laughs> let's ape. stop the. Let's stop the fight already. That's it. Okay. Let's go over to. Uh, you know what true friendship is, Luke? True friendship well, we have. is. It, yeah. This. These guys are a lot like us. Uh, you know, is finding room for your friend on a bicycle built for one, Luke. This yeah. I'll be not... the fat guy <laughs> with the pink shirt. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> Oh, get in, the, get in the ravine. Get in the ravine. Yes! <laughs> this is how you know it's like Latin America right here, right? Yeah, I feel like we're playing Duck Hunt with, a, with the 8-bit NES here. Just, yeah. This Bro, that guy, that guy the, it, he just broke the kickstand. And then the dude in on front, with, by the way, with slippers on. See him? Slides right through the grass. Honk. My man just takes a tumble. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's go back to the MMA cage. Luke, Cage Warriors was on this week. Did you see this insane inside scissors kick KO? So this is my this is my boy, Justin Berry. Did, do you know this story? No. So this is Justin Berry. Justin used to live in D.C., and we trained together for several years. Um, 
Dude, he's going to be a problem for people. I don't know how far he's going to go. I don't know exactly how he's trained these days. Uh, he's out in California with another buddy of mine. Shouts to Sunni Imhotep, who is, uh, was a great training partner of Brian Ortega before his fight with uh, Chan Sung Jung. But um, Sunni and uh, Justin both moved to the West Coast. Dude, let me explain something about Justin Berry. Uh, <laughs> he's a beast. He is a fucking beast. He trains like he's terrible, which means it's like he's always in there. And it got to a point after like a year of training together, I couldn't pass his guard. Like he is, he, and he would blow, he blew past all of us, um, you know, in terms of just how fast he got. Yo, did he break your ribs? Like he was Jason Herzog? No, because he's actually a great training partner and would like take care of people. He'd have mercy on, which he would have to have mercy on scrubs like me. But Justin Berry is a bad motherfucker. And if he's, that was his pro debut and an outside crescent kick KO, Head kick win was his pro debut. Uh, look out. If he is at all good in the way that he was when I was training with him, he's going to hurt people real bad. All right. Uh, do you ever – is having that move like having a fork ball as a major league pitcher, or is that like going to be a legit finishing move in MMA? No one could do that shit. He probably won't catch it very often, but you'd be surprised, man. Let guys go and fade to the outside, then you walk on that, that, that kind of an angle like – you know, he didn't get it by accident, and he's also smart, too. I think he has, like, a master's degree in computer science. Like, dude, Justin's the, the total package. Like, he's going to be mean, I mean, why don't you just bang him, Luke? You know, I mean... Yeah, I've, I've tried many times. He has rebuffed me, and I have been an unrequited lover. But, no, I'm, dude, like, there's a, couple, there's a couple of guys I've trained with along the way. I was like, dude, these fucking guys are hard to do anything against. Like, it's they're like they're very firm. Very... Yeah, yeah. All right, Luke, I got two you more for you. You know what I'm you. saying? Justin, Justin was one of the more special guys I've ever had the, the, the honor of training with. Uh, at Hoagie Farts on Instagram wants to know, does this mask frighten you at all, Luke? <laughs> Could this be the new clown in the closet that just haunts you for the rest of your life? Uh, that is a Jesus. That is. I'm not one of these guys that like dolls are creepy, but that I might make an exception for this one. Yeah, Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, finally, Luke, I wouldn't eat this shit for many reasons. How about you for gas station fare? They call this a shrimp dog. Can we blow it up? Now walk me through the brown sauce. What is that? Is that chili? Uh, if it's, it probably. If it's any kind of soy, you're going in a, you're going, you're going to a place. I'm not, I'm not following you there. I'm, just, I'm already not going there, Luke. Okay? okay. Would you, would you eat? Not just try a bite. I would try a bite of almost anything. Would you eat a full one of these for $5 cash? See, I'm one of those people that, like, I'm on the fence about shrimp. Like, I've had it, and it's really good. I've also had it, and I just feel gross. I'm, like, texture-wise, I just I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, um, so well, hold on. Back up, back up. When you had the shrimp, how did, was it prepared that you liked it? Probably a lot of, like, pepper and, and seasonings and stuff. But I'm saying, like, uh, grilled, or was it in a soup, oh, or, like, what was no, it? No, it was grilled. It was, like, okay. you know. Uh, in general, shrimp, shrimp makes me... It makes me, you know, I have, a, I have a very small tolerance for it. So I don't think I could do this in general. Plus, I don't know if you've heard my, I got a black liver, Luke. I'm really, really working hard trying to repair that. But I, everything about this sucks. If you replace those with uh, with baked beans, which I've done many times, uh, that's, that's a, that's, that's, you're going somewhere now. Okay, chili? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, I would say this. This is obviously disgusting, but at least they deveined the shrimp. Do you know about deveining shrimp? Yeah, I'm not into that either. I don't want to, you know. Just, no, no, you yeah. should devein shrimp. Like, if you don't devein shrimp, that's the problem. Right. Do well, you know that's about... why it's part of the gross factor, Luke. Okay. okay? It's yeah. Idea. So, for folks who have ever served shrimp, 
if you go to someone's house and there's a black line over the the, the sort of spine of the shrimp, you're not going to get sick eating it. But as literally their feces, you might want to cut that part out, which you can see it's cut out. Oh god, this um, is wow. This got. Yeah, I, I actually like shrimp. I like ceviche shrimp. I like grilled shrimp. I like shrimp a lot. But I gotta say, I don't know what's grosser. Um, like they could that dog. It, it's a it's an un that dog looks like my dog's hog does that make sense it's too pink for my comfort level i don't i don't know if i can i mean is it possible that i'd move on from that <laughs> that dog that dog's hog looks like my dog's hog uh yeah I, I told myself i would never make another birthing room floor joke on this show look so i'm gonna stop all right i'm gonna stop uh, i'm just gonna I'm say gonna... it looks uncomfortably like my dog's hog when he gets too excited <laughs> all right this what a gross episode top to bottom all things considered yeah that was... well at least we got to see the island boys and i was my faith in democracy was restored yes. um all right time for odds and ends bc what do you got for odds and or ends also on that top rank undercard which also gave us uh the young holyfield evan holyfield we had nico ali walsh yes the grandson of muhammad ali back on a short turnaround i think this was a second pro fight and Luke, he, he got the finish and got a knockout, and he's got a little bit of pop for a guy 2-0. But I thought Tim Bradley, who's been on fire lately in general, is a great uh, yeah, boxing he's good. analyst. I liked him. I mean, he was on point and I think rightfully like nagging on this that Ali just doesn't move his head. And against, forget, you know, an elite guy, I guess anybody really with a pulse, he's going to walk into something soon. And this ex experiment is going to be all for nothing. So it's not a, like, it's not an overwhelmingly bright light blinking. Like you will never be anything, but it's a major early foundational problem. That's not there. So my overall problem is this Luke, like ESPN on top right. They kind of have something here. I mean, this is one of the last remaining bits of bait. You can hang out there and get those old Ali fans, right. To, to, to get back into boxing one more time. But this guy's just not good enough to get the every fight in my journey will be a co-main event treatment, which is basically what he's getting right now. He's not he's not that guy at all. He could actually benefit a lot, I think, from going off TV for about four to five fights and really just getting better at boxing. Once he's in a better spot, really, every time he fights, it should be televised somewhere, right? I mean, it's it's a story. It's a fun process. There's Flavor Flav in there, Luke. I mean, there's a, there's some wild things going on. But, uh, dude, if they keep going at this rate, like, he's going to get splattered. Bro, Bob Arum is so fucking old that he promoted Ali, and now he's promoting Ali's grandson. Yeah. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Bob is never going to die, much to the chagrin of Mike Coppinger, but he's never going to die. He's just going to be old as fuck forever. Um, all right, well, you got to Keith Richardson at XMMA, uh, and we talked about Ryzen a little bit, so I'll just wrap up mine for odds and ends. Uh, KSW, we talked about it very briefly on Friday, the 600-pound weigh-in, basically, between Marius Pujanowski and this dude from Senegal, I think dude did Senegalese uh, lamb wrestling, Bombardier, I think was his name. Well, it didn't go real well for Bombardier. He got flatlined in just, I think, 18 seconds. It, I, I tweeted about it, BC. Did you see this fight? I mean, it was really like a street fight in the sense that, like, you know how it goes in the street. Two guys square off, usually the first one to land wins the whole show, and that was exactly what happened here. He landed a right hand that the big dude just walked into, fell over, fight over. It's fun for weigh-ins and photos, but the fights tend to be not not thrilling, you know? Um, Where, where'd yeah. you go? I mean, it, it, it was... Did you want it to be sloppier? 
I mean, it, it, it was pretty sloppy. A little bit. A little bit. I want not, not so much sloppier, but like... Longer. Could it, could it have gone a minute, you know? So, um, how about this, Luke? You shot me down early. You shot me down early when I came hard to the center of the table with Musasi as a Fedor opponent. Marius Pujanowski. Okay, Bellator Ooh. main event. Okay, I'm here. I like I'm that here. one. Okay, I'm here. I'm kind of here now, for it. Now, now you have my interest level because you have I the mean, exact same dynamic. Like I mean, 15 feet. years ago, Fedor may have been into it too. I mean, he's had a few of these, Luke. Dude, Fedor has never been a stranger to taking like a fuck off fight. He's, <laughs> oh, he's taking yeah, a million yeah. of those. He's but he takes a, it. In fact, he, he takes it like Tenshin Nasakawa. He takes it really seriously, though, Luke. He just yeah. happens to win them, you know? Dude, he, dude, he remember he fought, uh, who was it? Zulo Zinho uh, yes. Jr. Beat the shit out of him. And Hong he fought, Man Choi. Yeah, Hong yeah. Man Choi and all these motherfuckers. Dude, that's a perfect, that's the way it's right in Fedor's wheelhouse. Some yeah. muscly, yeah. slow guy he can just steal on real All quickly. All right, get, yeah, get Scotty Cokes on the line. We'll do that in Chicago. It'll be a huge Polish and Russian setting there. It'd be great. Uh, I will do my best to convince Scott Coker. I'm sure he cares deeply about our opinions. <laughs> um, all right. With that out of the way, that is most of the show, BC. Uh, it was a good one. It sounds like you had a very... Uh, are you sick, by the way? You sound a little under the weather. Yeah. So remember, I didn't sleep on that red-eye flight Thursday night. When you don't sleep on a red-eye flight again, this Russian roulette, it's, it's either... It's one of two things happen, right? You either sleep and you steal a day and you go on like normal, or you don't sleep and you're you're sick off of exhaustion for four days and you get a cold so you can even catch pneumonia on that ass luke that's normally what happens on these don't i am i so old and washed that if i don't get an actual night of sleep i'm I, like I, I just that's just the the penalty you get right here you're sick with something could be i think that's know, right i think yeah, that's hopefully right. it's not covid yeah. right no I, no I, I have a very i just have like allergies binding up but i'm still exhausted luke you know i i effed myself all right i see that i see that well for everyone else make sure that um you like the video, give it a thumbs up. By the way, I want to remind everyone, MK Extra Credit will come out later today where I'll get to some of these fights that we just didn't even have a chance to get to on this particular show. So be on the lookout for that. If you want to try Showtime, you may. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, I don't know why you wouldn't, but you were free to cancel after that point if you want to. Uh, we we, have but we merch. will have your name and your login info, and we'll be coming <laughs> yes. for you, okay? <laughs> Which we'll just use to, like, commit credit card fraud. That means BC <laughs> not Showtime. Yeah. And uh, then we'll sell you predatory loans to get yes. out of that fraud, all Give right? Give us your car title. Would you <laughs> and we'll make sure you got clean balls while you do it. Okay, there we go. Morningcombat.store to get some of our Halloween merch, which, by the way, is you got to do it now because Halloween's right around. BC, what are you going to dress up for as Halloween? Or for, for Halloween, I should say. Uh, I will be in Las Vegas, Luke. It's okay. You didn't answer my question. What are you going to dress up as? <laughs> a, a tourist alone in his room. All right. Uh, sad man touching himself below the waist. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've seen that uh, guy before. Yeah, I spotted yeah. him a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, right. So go get the merch if you are so inclined. Morningcombat.store. You can use the promo code LIVE10, L-I-V-E-1-0 to get 10% off if you're so inclined. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday's fan subs and Friday's dead wrong is the place to, to go. And then last but certainly not least, help us scam the system and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If it's funny, we'll chuck some money your way because we are trying to be scam Yeah, when are we going to end that, that gimmick? Did they go through the responses yet? Do we have a winner? Uh, I think they've begun to select some finalists, but I don't think they've done the winner part yet. So the, it's still, it's still, the race is still open. Anyone can claim it. Uh, all right. 
So that is it. I want to thank Malka. I want to thank CBS Sports. I want to thank Showtime. I want to thank Washed Campbell. I'm Washed Luke. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thumbs up on the video. Stay tuned for extra credit later in the show, or later in the, the afternoon, I should say, plus more content, fresh content coming your way tomorrow. I have a big interview that we're going to share. So until then, thank you for watching, and may all of your gains be loyal.